Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark and Stephanie. You can give us a call at 1-855-450-3733. Talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. But, you know, in the meantime, we talk about some things that uh, come up for us. So do a little show prep, that kind of thing. The... Stephanie, the HPV virus has been big in the news uh, recently, and uh, you're some kind of doctor and gal. And yeah, I'm know, a medical student, so okay. I have some limited knowledge about this. But you chances know. are good you probably know more than most doctors about um, these. I mean, you I'm, are in school. I'm interested in it, so I've I've researched it a little bit myself, and. You know, of course, I'm a woman. I'm not a big fan of uh, most doctors and their knowledge on drugs and that that sort of thing. Frankly, I, I think that, um, you know, I you know, don't, I, d- I don't want to say anything bad or generalize too much, but there are some doctors. I mean, it's, it's really difficult to be an expert on every single topic in yes, medicine, especially sure. because nowadays there are just so much there's just so much knowledge to know. Right. And so it's difficult to be really informed about everything. But I think that there is sort of a little bit of a tendency on doctors, especially in subjects they're not interested in, to kind of just go with the guidelines of whatever governing body that there is, you know, the association on, of, mm-hmm, yeah. and not really look into it too much them, themselves unless they're particularly interested in that field. So, you know, and when it comes to students, many times students, people are studying something no more than than, you know, other folks about it. Mm-hmm. I've you know, there's there's a lot of people who are doing broadcasting school that probably know a lot more about, I don't know, certain aspects of broadcasting than I know. Just because mm-hmm. I do it for a living doesn't mean that well, doc- I know Well, doctors are supposed to keep up their knowledge and do this continuing sure medical education. But even that is like one of these kind of mandated things mm-hmm. where a lot of people kind of find ways to sort of get around it or not get much out of it as they probably could be. You know sure. what I mean? So and you can definitely do continuing medical education credits and still be somewhat ignorant about certain subjects i'm not saying that all of them are but i just wonder you know when you're talking about a guy who has a practice maybe has had a practice for 20 or 30 years and you know i mean he's making sure the fish are alive in the waiting room and that the uh, the um <laughs> you know that the the he's copies not a vet. <laughs> well the, the copies uh, you still got to scoop the dead ones out right i mean you got a, an aquarium and that's the deal you got you got to make sure the copies of national geographic aren't more than five years old in the waiting room um you got to make sure that everybody all the gals that he's governmentally mandated to have working in the office are not uh, fighting with each other keeping up on all Yikes. the the stuff that goes on you know i mean i just i, I would think when you're dealing with most vaccines likely are a pediatric issue um when you're a lot de- of them are yeah some some are not day in day out kids coming through they you know they surprisingly they continue to grow and uh you know do well whether or not you do anything as a parent i suspect that oftentimes doctors tend to feel that way too i'm not saying that every one of them is an ignoramus i'm just saying there's a lot of opportunity for sort of uh, to, to get uh, lax in in keeping up well there's a lot of things to keep up with yep. you know and sometimes parents are really involved and informed and do a lot of that keeping up themselves and sometimes they kind of leave it to the doctor and you know, it's if you have a thousand patients, which a lot of them do, because, by the way, the way that this, the system is structured, you know, with insurance and uh, insurance, health insurance is basically like a payment plan. Right. It's not like the same thing as car insurance, where if you get into an accident, you have a deductible and, you know, you pay kind of a flat fee every year. But it doesn't mm-hmm. cover things like oil changes and tire rotations. Sure. Right. But medical insurance is different because it usually covers things like. Uh, annual visits and yep. vaccinations for children and stuff like routine maintenance on your body, basically. Sure. 
So it creates the system that's that's kind of um, has some incentives that maybe aren't so good for the patients because there's this third party interfering in the doctor patient relationship. And that party needs to make a uh, profit, too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, you know, oftentimes insurance companies base their billing codes off of Medicare and Medicaid. And uh, those are determined by the government. Right. Those are the government uh, programs that cover poor people and old people, essentially. Sure. Right. And so since the insurance companies are kind of modeling their payment uh, reimbursements after them, oftentimes, you know, doctors aren't getting paid back for things like sitting down and talking to patients or spending lots of time with them. Right. And so oftentimes they, the incentive is to take on a ton of patients at the same time so that they can, you know, make a little bit from each patient. And sometimes they don't get paid back for what they did for a year or six months. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's not like doc, people think of doctors as making tons of money, but it's really not like that anymore, especially for family practice doctors. And they do have an incentive to take on tons of patients and give each patient less individual attention in the whole insurance system that we have today and the uh, and the system where government really interferes a lot. It makes sense to me. I don't know that it makes sense to everybody. But, yeah, I think people do consider doctors to be wealthy. Yeah, they do. And, I mean, there are some doctors now who are kind of opting out of the whole system, like they're just dealing directly with patients and maybe the patient will pay them kind of like a – retainer or something to be on call for them whenever they need them all they year round different cash setups yeah different setups yeah but i mean cash only um, physicians are kind of emerging or concierge as they're sometimes called too but that wasn't really what i wanted to talk about i i just wanted to kind of mention that as a little bit of a preface i heard on free talk live this week some discussion about hpv the virus and the vaccine and it is always fun to hear people who are completely uninformed talk about subjects well somebody called in and said that they were a doctor and this guy, I guess, was a JD, so a, uh, an attorney. You know, he had a law doc- doctorate. Okay, I thought and he said something else. He said else, law but yeah. and political science, so he is not okay. a biological life sciences doctor. And some of the things that he said were not completely accurate, and I just wanted to discuss those things and maybe have a little bit of a dialogue about this concept of of vaccination and how the government fits in with it and how people's decisions factor in and stuff like that. And this should be fun, right? This because comes up a lot. I don't. I have not vaccinated my son in any way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, oftentimes people will you know get upset about that. There's been a lot of vaccination talk throughout the years here on Free Talk Live, and um, uh, you know, so it it, sh- it should be interesting. Now, so what is it about the conversation as far as HPV, the HPV vaccine? That's not true because uh, the the apparently there's been some claims that some girls have died from taking this, uh, that some girls have gotten ill. Right. So the thing about research and the thing about the data that we have is we have to rely on the best information we have, but the best information isn't always perfect, right? Sure. And so what we have is the people's own reports of adverse reactions or effects after right. taking this vaccine. And, you know, sometimes... Girls will get the vaccine when they're 12 or 11 or 9, even as young as 9, and they'll have a bad reaction to it or something bad will happen to them in like a neurologic sense, like they'll get uh, a problem with their brain of some kind. Right. If you put injections in 10,000 people, an amount of those people are going to have a reaction to that injection. Sure. I mean, even if that injection was olive oil, you know, I mean, there's something something benign. It's probably less likely with olive oil, but yeah, for sure. And I mean... These vaccines are meant to stimulate people's immune systems to yep. recognize the piece of the bug that they're putting into the person, right? Right to to get them immunity to it. But 
oftentimes they contain things called adjuvants, which stimulate the immune system, but there's always the potential that it may get stimulated too far or they'll have an allergic reaction to something that's in the vaccine, vaccine. So any of that could happen. But the thing is, when people report these adverse events, it sometimes is really difficult to prove that the vaccine caused it. Uh And people like to jump to that conclusion that it was caused by the vaccine. Um, Now, I'm not saying that people should be forced to get vaccines. I understand that there are some major problems. I (laughs) this might be controversial, but, you know, there are some vaccines that I have chosen not to get and some that I have. But I think it's like it's really important to know about the kind of risk benefit ratios. And there are people who talk about this thing called herd immunity. You mentioned it on the show this week, Mark. And herd immunity is the concept that if enough people are immune to a certain disease or germ, then nobody will will be able to get it because there just won't be enough people in the population to act as carriers. Right. Makes sense. Right. So people who are into this public health field. Um, sometimes say stuff like, well, we should get herd immunity. And so they want to vaccinate as many people as possible. Right. But th- what, th- what that says about the vaccine is, is that, well, apparently this thing doesn't work that well, <laughs> because well, if if I'm if your kid has, uh, you know, the vaccine and my kid doesn't have the vaccine, why is my kid a threat to your kid? Yeah. Well, I mean, most vaccines are somewhere between 80 and 95 percent effective. Indeed. So that means one out of 20 people or more who gets the vaccine might not be completely protected from the germ, especially as time goes on and the immunity may wear off. Right. So it, they're pretty good, but they're not perfect. And Indeed. so we'll talk about it more. Okay. 855-450-FREE. Call in and talk about your vaccine experiences. Got a pretty good story here. 855-450-3733. As a smoker, you know traditional cigarettes are unhealthy, and the taxes be the very beast stealing your freedom to smoke. That's why the Vapor Station offers an assortment of electronic cigarette kits. Each rechargeable, refillable kit is an effective, affordable alternative to smoking. No combustion, no tar, no foul, lingering odors, and no smoke, secondhand or otherwise. Just inhale pure enjoyment and exhale vapor. Take a puff just about anywhere without getting hassled. Get your e-cigarette kit now at VaporStation.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line here. You can give us a call, talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. You can go to the website and upload or link to whatever you'd like to upload or link to. We're that kind of interactive show. Whatever, anything. I I, I think there's some (laughs) kind of system for handling stuff like that. I'm not entirely sure. Well, if it's popular, it'll be voted up. And if it's unpopular, it'll be voted down, right? Yes. So to make it good. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. You've been hearing us talk about Bitcoins here for a while now, but maybe you didn't know how to get them. Here's a new, easy way. You can get Bitcoins by depositing cash at thousands of banking locations across the U.S., including Bank of America and Wells Fargo. Once you have your Bitcoins, you can use them to pay anyone in the world with no transaction fees. I just bought uh, a book on the Internet uh, using Bitcoins or third parties getting involved. It's just like a person-to-person cash transaction, but you can do it over the Internet. It has the same advantages of anonymity and um, that sort of thing. To learn more, visit ExchangeBitcoins.com. Again, it's ExchangeBitcoins.com. 
So, Stephanie, we're talking about the vac- vaccines in general, HPV vaccines specifically, and mm-hmm. I think you heard some talk about uh, vaccines that uh, disturbed you a little on the air of the, uh, I don't know when it was, a few days ago. Oh, I didn't, it wasn't disturbing to me. It was just, there was some misinformation, and actually I kind of found it humorous a little bit at times. But, um. Well, we like to talk about things that are true here on Free Talk Live as much as we can. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it can be really hard to discern truth sometimes, especially when, not everybody has the background knowledge that might help them decide what's true and what's not true. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, and I'm not claiming to have all the answers. I'm not claiming to be any kind of an expert. I just have a little bit You're of an expert. A little bit of specialized knowledge in but the field. That's what an expert is, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, but I mean, I, it's not like I my, I've spent my whole career studying HPV or anything like that or, or studying I vaccines. don't trust the people that do, frankly. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, there. I, I heard this idea and I, I get a lot of these sentiments. I understand them and I, I totally understand where you're coming from. What I what I heard was, you know, these people, there are these elites and they just want to vaccinate everybody because they want to get herd immunity, which is when enough people develop resistance to a disease that it the the uh, frequency of that disease decreases in a general population because there aren't enough carriers. Right. Right. And I also heard that, you know, vaccines are are dangerous. There were some conspiracy sentiments like uh, it's a way to kill off people. And, you know, (laughs) I I can't really blame people too much for thinking that because I know that in the 1970s there was the swine flu vaccine, right, that a bunch of people took and they got Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is, you know, when it's an autoimmune thing, basically, it's um, when your body kind of attacks the nerves and it's a paralyzing disease. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of people died, right? And there was some concern about the same thing with this current swine flu um, vaccine and and by the way, you know the swine flu. It was made a really big deal out of, but it actually killed less people than the seasonal flu in that year. So I mean, it wasn't. So the recent uh, swine flu you're talking about? Yeah, the recent yeah. swine flu. Yeah, and, and this so. is you know this is one of the things that kind of bugs me about the, the 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 whole thing is oftentimes when you hear about medical stuff on the news, it is much much ado about nothing the, you know the yeah. avian flu that kills nobody you know this kind of thing the swine flu that kills fewer people than the regular flu does yeah and that that sort of thing i know that when we were talking on the air i tend to let people say what they want about vaccines and then let people come to the conclusions they want to come to yeah i'd My like i'd like that too i ha- want people to do their own research like i'm not giving out medical advice or anything like that i think you should come to your own conclusions i'm just kind of saying my my opinion and yep trying to mention some things that I thought were misinformation. My contention tends to be that I believe that the flu vaccines generally do what they say they do, that they prevent you from getting, say, the the flu vaccine can often prevent you from getting polio. Mm -hmm. However, I think when you inject stuff in people that they're going to have some kind of reaction. Some people, uh, you know, and so therefore... did you say the flu vaccine can prevent you from getting polio? No, I'm sorry, the polio vaccine will prevent you from getting polio. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But uh, if if I said that, it's my mistake. So, you know, but every time you inject something in someone, you're going to have some kind of reaction. Sitting on the potty is going to have some people are going to die from that. So, I mean, everything has a, um, you know, has a has a risk to it. The risk of getting polio these days is really, really, really slim if you live in the United States and don't travel outside of it. And I don't know what the percentage of people, uh, Americans that don't travel off of the North American continent is, but yeah. I imagine it's pretty large. Yeah. 
And so therefore, what's you know, what what do they need polio vaccines for? And Mm -hmm. and, you know, what is more dangerous to them, getting the vaccine or the chance of getting polio? Exactly. And that's the question that I think everybody has to ask themselves. And not everyone I realize is interested in kind of learning about that stuff and doing research on it. And so, you know, maybe they would choose to just kind of. Uh, ask their doctor's opinion and yeah. go with what their doctor Whatever says. Whatever they say. And most and doctors are going to say, you need to get these vaccines. They're good for you. I have a story about a friend of mine. Um, he's a good friend of mine. And mm-hmm. I think it was his dad. Pardon me if I've got the relations wrong in this one. But essentially, the man got a vaccine um, in the morning at work or something like that. They yeah. you know, came around, gave him vaccines. And this is kind of how they did things back in the day. Mm-hmm. And he came home sick at about noon and was dead by 8 o'clock that night. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not. You don't say- know if it was caused by the vaccine. You don't. You really don't. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you, you don't understand how the the correlative data there yeah, is so it seems, suspicious. It seems suspicious. I agree. I and agree. And this I, is one of the things that um, you like as a doctor. Your first resu- your first um, answer was, "Well, hey, whoa, you don't know that was the vaccine." And it's true. We don't know that it was the vaccine. But well, I feel I, was- like a lot of the data out there that you can get about vaccines is twisted because. We don't know whether or not that person died of a vaccine, but yes. a lot of people would strongly believe after hearing that story that that's what the result was. And we just don't get to hear this kind of information. Yeah. And so I, I don't agree. think we know how dangerous vaccines are. A, I don't think a lot of people know, especially because, you know, the reporting of adverse events is based on what people report right after. So something happened to their kid after the kid took this vaccine. But there's no causal link that's been proven sure. that it was the vaccine for sure. But it happens sometime after the kid took the vaccine. So, right. OK, take that for what it's worth. Right. What we know is that some vaccines have, uh, you know, higher reported uh, rates of adverse events than others. Mm-hmm. Right. And Gardasil happens to be one. It, it has a higher. That has a higher rate of adverse reported okay. effects. And, you know, take that for what it's worth. I mean, it's vaccines. It's are, something. Are, vaccines are a technology. Right. Sure. And technology, I'm generally of the opinion that technology improves our lives. And in this case, you know, there's a vaccine that has the potential to um, immunize people against strains of a virus that the virus is shown to cause certain cancers, especially cervical cancer and genital warts. That's the other thing. Okay. And it becomes this political issue because a lot of people have this. They don't believe their kids are having sex. Right. Or they think that if their kids do have sex, then they deserve to get cervical cancer and genital warts and die, you know. And, and, and no <laughs> doubt there's there's a there's a good helping, uh, you know, so I think that there's obfuscation on one side and a helping uh, a large helping a crazy on the other. Yeah. And, uh, you know, stuck in the middle are the rest of us trying to decide whether or not our 12 year old girls need to be getting um, this HPV vaccine that apparently is for four of the 30 strains. Am I correct when I say that? It, yeah. HPV? Well, so there are different types of um, HPV vaccines. There's um, one of them prevents it protects against four different strains of HPV. The other one protects against two different strains. Mm-hmm. And the one that protects against two strains, those are only the strains that cause cervical cancer, not the ones that cause genital warts. Okay. So the people who believe that sex should have consequences or whatever, you know, usually go for that one because they're just trying to protect from the cancer and not from the warts. So, but they're what? all HPV. What? And yeah, it's strange. But those four types are the most prevalent and make up the majority of HPV out there. So, at least for now. 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live. 855-450-3733. 
In a world where government control is on the wane and freedom can be bought for a reasonable price, one man will unite with a former public transportation worker, a shady senator's runaway daughter, two orphans, a retired space marine, an alien, and an intelligent spider, and journey together beyond the outer reaches of human civilization to protect the future of human liberty. Also, there are space cows. Read it online now at burningrockranch.com. Eight fifty five four fifty three. That's the SACL toll free call in line here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live. I say that because most people don't expect to be listening to live programming at seven p.m. on a Sunday evening. When it comes to radio programming, I've done a little bit of this in my life. Um, you know, Sunday at evening is a throwaway time. They don't care about uh, you know folks listening, and there's nothing to uh, there's nothing being offered out there. When you're talking about weekend live programming in the sort of segment that we do, which is current events, open lines, current events uh, talk, there's only three shows. Free Talk Live gives you two of those three, and, and one of each of those other two shows are only offered one of those two evenings. Free Talk Live gives you live programming both evenings from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. So. This is this is it. I'm sorry that uh, Free Talk Live has a natural monopoly. <laughs> We're darn close to it. We're not cartelized, though. We don't talk to those other shows. Actually, I did have a conversation with one of those guys from, uh, I can't remember the name of his show, Precise, Baldwin and McCullough, something like that. Anyway, we're talking about HPV vaccines and vaccines in general here on Free Talk Live. If you've got a vaccine story or some beliefs on vaccines you'd like to share, you're welcome to call in at 855-450-3733. And join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create a will or a living trust, even register a trademark. They're empowering you, protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. It's LegalZoom.com. Again, it's LegalZoom.com. Use coupon code FTL to save $10 off your order at LegalZoom.com. Stephanie. Yes. Continue. <laughs> so, okay. Here's what I want to... You, t- you talk, I'll jump in and say, say that you're wrong about these vaccines. Okay. <laughs> okay. So here's the main point that I really want to say with this discussion, and I'm trying to get it down to something very succinct. The main point is that uh, I don't think that people should be forced by governments to take vaccines, as in the case of Rick Perry, and he's a presidential candidate. And this is why it came up earlier in the week, because people were talking about him, I guess, writing a law in Texas that said every girl between the ages of 9 and 12 that was in a public school had to be vaccinated with this vaccine. Mm -hmm. And it's not a life-threatening thing, well, unless you count cervical cancer as life-threatening, but, um, you know, there are other ways to prevent cervical cancer, like pap screening, and also... You know, it's the the incidence of it is pretty low. Yeah, right? that's what I was, was going to say. Everybody who Nowadays, gets HPV, 80, what eighty percent, seventy five percent of the population yeah. has a human pamploma virus. Well, has acquired it during their lives at some point by mm. age fifty. Okay, so, so th- does that mean it go, goes away? Yes. Okay, that's one of the things that I wanted to mention too. Your I body, did not know that your body can clear or get rid of the virus, and once it does so, you know, if you've had a certain strain of HPV. 
you may have immunity to that same strain of HPV or you may not. Okay. But your body is capable of getting rid of it, right? I see. Otherwise, you'd be thinking that there'd be a lot more people walking around with different cancers and I wouldn't have thought any of this. I assumed that it was uh, probably one of a variety of these little bugs out there in God's green world. That, so the, uh, the common one that people think of, to. it's not, HPV is not like herpes. Um, herpes is a virus that causes sores um, in mucous membranes like the mouth or genitals, but that virus stays in your body for your whole life once you get it. You can't get rid of it. You can suppress it. But there's it. two types of that so too, right? Uh, yeah, there are two types of herpes virus, HSV1 and 2, but it's kind of a scientific distinction because either one can be on the lips or on the genitals, either one. Does it so, depend on where you get the, the virus? This no, I don't understand. you can catch either one on either place. So you can get herpes from necking? Yes. Okay. Yes. And, um, and, and it could be the genital type of herpes? It could, yeah, but it could be on your mouth or on your face, yeah. So it could just show up in either one? Yes. Crazy. Okay. Yeah. But if you get it on your mouth, then there's some evidence that you may be less likely to get genital herpes. And mo- huh. a lot of people have um, oral herpes. Gotcha. Like cold sores. If you've ever had a cold sore, you have herpes. So How comes... I, mean, I, I remember having a cold sore when I was a kid, and I haven't had right. them since. Mm-hmm. So that's because your body... It can't get rid of the herpes virus, but it can suppress it from from outbreaking. It's called right from having an outbreak. Gotcha. So you, but the thing, the confusing thing about that, it gets even more confusing, is that you can be shedding the virus, so you can be contagious to other people without having sores. Sure. So if someone has ever had herpes in their life, there's some probability at any given time that they could be shedding virus or making virus that's transmissible to other people. Um, and you wouldn't be able to tell just by looking at them. So, I mean, it's always a risk whenever you, whenever you touch someone or get near another yep. person or someone breathes or coughs on you, there's a risk for diseases, right? It's amazing the concern that uh, parents have for their kids and the things that they do when, in fact, it's these dirty, dirty monkeys that we let them play with all the time that are going to, uh, you <laughs> well, know, and, and little kids love to, put, love to put things in their mouths. You know, they don't mm-hmm. wash their hands as often as adults do. So with kids, you know, there's legitimate concern, but it's it's kind of you kind of have to think of. How much are you going to let fear of different germs sure. run your life, you know, <laughs> especially when it comes to uh, the dating world, I guess you could say, right? If you think about, there are a lot of people who are really concerned about sexually transmitted infections, right? Yep. And um, Seems like it's something to be concerned about. R- right. Well, especially if 80% of women have had HPV at some time in their life, and it could potentially cause cervical cancer or genital warts, depending on the strain. But the thing is, most of those cases are not are asymptomatic, so they never have any symptoms. Right. So if someone has a virus, but the virus has no symptoms, is it really a disease? Is it really a problem? I don't know. I, I don't think it's something to be completely so scared about that you stop dating and you won't kiss anybody else. And, you right. you know, and this is what Rick Perry was doing, was uh, suggesting that mandating, essentially not not mandating. You had an opt out. But these well, opt outs tend to be pretty difficult to go through. And yes, the peer and pressure he, of, of doing this is, is high. And he had these connections with the company that was making the vaccine. Right. He claimed that it was five thousand dollars in donations they got. In fact, they've researched this and it's more like thirty three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in donations from Merck right. to him and different uh, Republican organizations that he's like the president of and that that sort of thing. Yeah. So here's the thing. I think that people shouldn't be forced by government to take vaccines, as I was saying at the beginning of this segment. Sure. But some vaccines can help your life and probably can protect you from diseases that otherwise would have been annoying or hurt hurtful or killed you maybe, you know. And so vaccines, like any other technology, 
do your research on them, figure out whether you think that your risk of getting whatever disease that the vaccine is supposed to protect against is worth getting the vaccine. And yep. vaccines can be costly. They can be time consuming to go to the doctor. Right. The they, uh, hep three or hep, hep B, B, you have to go three, three. times. To and get... HPV is like that, too. It's okay. three. It's three shots and they cost about. Well, no wonder they want to mandate school. Well, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Because they already have the kids there. Yeah, because it's, impo- it's impossible to get people to come back three times <laughs> to yeah. a doctor's office. Now, you said that you didn't uh, you had opted out of some vaccines. What were those vaccines? Well, I, I don't have the HPV vaccine, okay. and, but it came out when I was older. Mm-hmm. You know, it it was supposed to be given to girls that are um, 11 or 12 or something like that. And, you know, then some data came out later that said it had some benefit for older women. But I decided that my risks and whatever I, I was like higher incidence of adverse of, uh, effects. And, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't sound like the HPV virus is that that bad, considering most people have it and most people don't get cervical cancer. Well, yes. And some, you know, women who get regular GYN exams, you know, they can be vigilant and watch for cervical cancer that way. And in, in fact, that's how it was done before this vaccine existed. So mm-hmm. for me, it seemed like I didn't particularly need it. And so I didn't get it. And I think that it's okay to make those kind of choices sometimes. Now, there are a lot of other vaccines out there, and, you know, people should kind of research them individually. And I understand the the kind of desire to push back when doctors are like, well, you should get every vaccine under the sun because they couldn't possibly be bad for you. That's a little bit too simplistic of an approach. But it's also well, too simplistic to say that every vaccine is bad and we shouldn't get any of them. I I, I tend to uh, agree with that uh, statement, too. I also, I, you know, I think that people do this sort of cost-benefit analysis in their heads. Mm-hmm. My experience Sometimes with Sometimes with inaccurate information. Indeed. Indeed. My experience with uh, vaccines has been, um, you know, the flu vaccine, which is the only thing I've taken recently. Yep. I mean, I, I remember taking a tetanus booster at some point, um, and, but, you know, it's been quite some time was when I took the flu vaccine, it's the sickest I've ever been. And then I took it again because I believed a doctor who said that, uh, actually it was an EMT or something, a medic of some sort, mm, who said couldn't possibly couldn't, have had it, a bad it couldn't reaction. have been that. Yeah, that couldn't happen. So then I believed him and then I felt really, I feel really, you know, jilted by the medical yeah. community in this way. I understand that. And it is possible that you had an adverse reaction to the oh, vaccine. Oh, I'm certain of it. Yeah. Two, two times, two, va- um, two vaccines, two, yep. two of the two The more times, times you experience, the more likely it gets. Indeed. In a world where government control is on the wane and freedom can be bought for a reasonable price, one man will unite with a former public transportation worker, a shady senator's runaway daughter, two orphans, a retired space marine, an alien, and an intelligent spider, and journey together beyond the outer reaches of human civilization to protect the future of human liberty. Also, there are space cows. Read it online now at burningrockranch.com. The Ruger LC9, compact, powerful, and perfect for personal protection. The LC9 is only slightly larger than the popular Ruger LCP, features a checkered grip frame to provide a secure and comfortable grip, and includes a finger grip extension floor plate. The LC9 also has a dovetailed high-visibility three-dot sight system, blued alloy steel barrel, manual safety, and loaded chamber indicator. The LC9, another innovative American-made product from Ruger. Learn more about the Ruger LC9 at ruger.com lc9. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on the live Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live. 
Mark with you. And Stephanie. You know that cigarettes aren't good for your health. You've probably been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try anyway. It's a healthier option, 22,000 times healthier. You can smoke it anywhere or just about. Um, there's no secondhand smoke, no smell. And that, that's a, there's a great deal of advantages to this uh, this sort of thing that's healthier. And you can smoke it in different places. You don't have to go outside in a blizzard to smoke. Also, you can get a free starter kit. Vaporsmiths.com, makers of one of the premier vaporizers on the market today, will offer you a free starter kit if you just purchase 40 cartomizers. These are little things that have the nicotine in them. And, uh, you know, you, you vaporize these, smoke them, whatever. Use coupon code FTL when you purchase 40 cartomizers at vaporsmiths.com. And you'll get a free starter kit. You also get free shipping because 40 cartomizers is more than $60, and all orders over $60 get free shipping. All you have to do is go to vaporsmiths.com or, com or call 855-2-GET-VAPOR, 855-2-GET-VAPOR, vaporsmiths.com. Yeah, I've started to notice that the weather is rapidly changing here in New Hampshire. We're sure is. broadcasting Bam! From- yeah. <laughs> Autumn's here. Literally, like three days ago, it just yeah. hit an inflection point where it was just really obvious that it was getting to be fall. <laughs> <Indeed>. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you said something about standing outside in the winter to smoke cigarettes. And I think that a lot of people will be starting to realize how nice that is not to have to stand outside. I was in, I lived in Florida most of my life um, and I smoked cigars usually before I went to sleep. And they really did rule my life in that way. I could mm. not go to sleep without smoking the cigar. And my life was kind of planned around that in, in one way or another. And I would always smoke outside, even when it was my own home. I, you know, I wouldn't smoke inside. I just didn't intend to do that. Yeah. I, of course, was married and my wife, you know, expected me to smoke outside. We move up here and, you know, I'm sitting outside in a little fold out chair um, trying, <laughs> trying to read my book while I smoke my cigar in the snow. <laughs> and it's not really very pleasant. <laughs> so. Yeah, I would imagine not. You know, folks that are folks that are living in in cold areas that get cold and smoke. This is tough stuff. Now, of course, cigarette smokers they're usually out for five to seven minutes, as opposed to a cigar smoker who's out for thirty. But hey, yeah, that's no fun either way. And especially you know this this vaporizer, you can just go out there and uh, you can actually stay inside and and smoke, and there's no have, smell or anything like that. Have you noticed this, Mark? Um, do you think that a higher percentage of free staters as opposed to people who are not free staters, smoke cigarettes? I think that libertarians smoke. Um, that it is a, it is a, to some extent, rebellious philosophy, and rebels tend to smoke. Um, I think you can draw some conclusions about different uh, groups that are just sort of generally true. It doesn't make it true. It just makes it sort of generally true. Yep. And uh, there's another one that uh, cigarette-smoking women are, are more promiscuous. Huh. That tickles me. I think that's hilarious. So <laughs> I'm just thinking about personal experience here. Okay, well, I wouldn't know. I don't, I don't know either. I can't come to any conclusion. I guess I've I've dated a few cigarette smokers, but it's not high on my list. I can assure you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and- I don't know. I just think it's interesting that that a lot of uh, liberty loving types smoke, and it's funny because you know some of them do things, various things to avoid ta- paying taxes on cigarettes and stuff. But you quit smoking or using tobacco products. Because oh, I you, smoked well, <laughs> the cigars. I smoked them. I didn't smoke cigarettes, but yeah. Well, right. I mean, at the time. but you quit that habit because you didn't want to contribute to a lot of the taxes that yeah. you were paying on them, especially was, because Obama had recently just raised a new tax on cigars. Here right? was my philosophy is the cigars that I smoked were not taxed by the federal government. They, of course, are taxed by states and that kind of thing. And uh, state revenue. I don't have as big a problem with states because they're not as violent of an organization as the federal government is. 
Money is fungible. Barack Obama attempted to claim that the money taken from the taxes was going to go to the kids health fund or something like that. Right. Um, Money is fungible. And therefore, that means that, you know, I may get a dollar from you and dollars from other people. But essentially what I claim I'm going to spend those dollars on when I get your what I claim I'm going to spend your dollar on is, well, you know, it's a claim. Maybe I would have spent the money on that anyway. It goes into the general fund and then your expenses come out of that. Right. And that's it's that same fund from which they get the bullets that uh, kill innocent people in the wars that they fight all over the world. That's true. You can claim that most of the people that are killed are not innocent. You'd be wrong. But um, well, and even though they say that the have you ever heard politicians love to say, well, we're raising the cigarette taxes to start a fund that's anti-smoking or an anti-obesity fund or for the schools or whatever feel good thing that people want to hear. And then, of course, it doesn't go to that. It's not earmarked for that specific thing. You know, it goes into a general fund and then they spend it on whatever they're going to spend it on. Right. And usually they spend more than they actually have, too. So. Of course, there's that additional factor. And and fewer people pay the taxes because they figure out ways to buy it from Canada or, you know, South Carolina or whatever they do. Yep. And, you know, they, they work themselves around these taxes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then, then the revenue isn't as high as the politicians thought it was going to be. And so you've got all these uh, this kind of scenario going on. I quit because I didn't want to pay the federal government for anything. Um, and that was my, my main concern. So. Yeah. Everybody who can can choose to to smoke or not smoke for their own reasons. But that was my concern. Yeah. I I at least hope that the growing popularity of the e-cigarettes can help some people transition away from smoking, not just because, you know, it pays a lot of taxes to various governments, but also because there are known health risks to it. Of course, gonna, I think everybody knows that, right? I they think the health don't. risks are the most important part because you can believe the government's coming after e-cigarettes at some point or another. Once yeah. they're uh, making enough money, once it's a large enough market segment, the government's going to say, whoa, <laughs> what are you doing there? We need some of that money. But the That's e-cigarette, I mean, if you've looked into it at all, it's a really interesting example of how a regular, uh, I'm sorry, a relatively unregulated market can kind of flourish. Yeah. There are so many different kinds of e-cigarettes. There are all kinds of flavors. People make their own cartridges, that kind of thing. Uh, there's a lot of competition. The prices come down in a very short amount of time. Sure has. So it it interests me, just that whole world of e-cigarettes. I'm, I've never smoked um, tobacco cigarettes or e-cigarettes, but I'm interested in it just as a little bit of a uh, fascination, I guess you could say. So I got a story here that's, uh, you know, it's not much to, to talk about in the long term, but I do love to to tout the Ron Paul wins. Apparently, Ron Paul had his, uh, excuse me, Constitution, Constitution Day money bomb and got more than $900,000 for it. And that's, uh, you know, I, I think they were shooting for a million or something like that. And this is a huge, huge way to raise money at this It was this Constitution time. Day? Yesterday, I believe. Mm-hmm. Might okay, have been. Yeah. I hit, whoosh went right over my head. <laughs> Matters to somebody. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> um, it's a good excuse for them to have a money bomb. Right? <laughs> so he, you know, yeah, right. They're going to have a money bomb any day that they can get you away know, with it. I, I have to mention something real quick. I think language is important. And when people use bomb, yeah. money bomb, really? Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't seem so compatible with the message of peace. Well, it um, okay. People yeah, so are going to make fun of me for it that. It worked I'm sure, the first but... day. It worked the first uh, the first time, and I, I like language that works too. Mm-hmm. And I get what you're coming from on this one. Ron Paul kind of started it, and then everybody wants to do a money bomb. And I feel that to some extent, the the language has been diluted. Well, now you hear book bomb and yeah. like letter bomb, and yeah. it's just weird. lots of bombs. Yeah, I don't want. I, I want less bombs. <laughs> Apparently, he also won the. Uh, uh, California straw poll uh, by 
I guess, 40, 45% essentially. Uh, Rick Perry coming in second at about 30%. So he's, uh, uh, and, and Mitt Romney coming in at a little almost 9%. So he actually got more votes than they got together, which is kind of interesting. Let's go to Chris in New Mexico. Chris. How are you doing today? All's well. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I sure. Was just, um, I just wanted to touch on the, the vaccine thing. Um, I, I'm, I'm wondering if um, either of you have read any link in um, ADHD with boys in correlation with, with vaccines. Because I'm noticing um, I myself am a 37-year-old white male, and I've struggled with ADHD my whole life. But I'm noticing in boys at a younger age, like my son is five, I'm seeing um, some of the symptoms that I had through my life in him in in other people's children that are, you know, five, six, seven years old. So I'm wondering if there's some correlation with some type of vaccination in, in ADHD. Well, there's... I don't think there's a convincingly shown uh, causal link between that. Um, it's certainly possible that ADHD, which is a relatively new psychiatric diagnosis, is being diagnosed more, right? right. Just like it could autism. be that boys have been boys all along, and then it, um, that's you know oh, the ADHD it. is uh, some aspect of uh, boyhood. And uh, well, I mean, th- if you think about it carefully, you know, you put a kid, any kid, boy or girl, doesn't matter, in an environment where they don't want to be with teachers who don't really respect their decision-making ability or respect them as people very much and tell them to learn about things and be quiet that they don't want to learn about and sit completely still. Of course they're going (laughs) to act out and run around and do things. And I don't know if that's necessarily disease. Maybe they just need some more interesting stuff to learn about or boredom. Chris, do do you have anything else here? You like to stick around? Um, no, I, I just uh, I just wanted to, to touch on that. I you know Thank I you. certainly think that the HPV thing is um, a, a big concern. I myself have done some some research on it because I Chris I have Chris, had- thanks for the call. Eight. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. That's the SACL toll-free call in line here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. It is Mark with you. And Stephanie. Free Talk Live is an interactive program. You can call in, talk about whatever you'd like to talk about. We have an interactive website where you can go and upload stories or link to stories or blog posts or whatever you'd like to. Right at freetalklive.com. Believe me, you're going to see a lot more uh, views. Your story is going to see a lot more views there than it is on Facebook. Also, you have the op- option of going at archives from uh, freetalklive.com at archives.freetalklive.com. We have archives going back to 2006. It's five years of archives for free for you at archives.freetalklive.com. You can get them on MP3, take them with you. Put them on your MP3 player and listen wherever you want. Mowing the grass, doing your workout, driving to work, commuting on the bus, whatever. It's archives.freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of audio content there for you. You know, I was just talking to somebody before the show, and uh, we were talking about Free Talk Live, and I was telling the story of how I found out about Free Talk Live about six, maybe, or more years ago. This was before we moved, right? Yeah, before you moved. We used to Mm -hmm. be based in Sarasota, Florida, and now we're in uh, Keene, New Hampshire. Yep, yep. This was probably in about 2004 or 2005, I want to say. 
I did a Google search for libertarian talk radio because I considered myself a libertarian and I was interested in listening to audio content when I was doing other things at the time I was an undergraduate. And so I was doing homework and stuff like that. Right? Sure. So I found I don't know it, how you can listen to talk radio and do homework, but go ahead. I mean, different people I, have different brains. I'm an extremely auditory person and I listen to audio no matter what I'm doing pretty mm-hmm. much. And so I'm really into podcasts and stuff like that. And, you know, this is the sort of thing with uh, folks in um, music radio. Some people love to love music radio. There's no doubt. But a lot of people, as they mature, move away from music because they've gotten whatever magic they can get out of that's sort of uh, the, the music that music radio will give you. Mm-hmm. The music the music radio will give you is often one to two hundred songs in a playlist and right. you hear them over and over and over <laughs> again. And I mean, you know, that, that when you hear Crazy Train come on again one more time, at one point, you know, it really got you excited. And now, not so exciting. Yeah. So exactly. I'm just saying that uh, people tend to move from music to uh, to spoken word. Well, you said something about listening to Free Talk Live during your workout. And I was going to say for years, every morning at the gym, I would go to the gym before my classes or work or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I would listen to Free Talk Live archive in the morning. So there you go. There you go. Another story of somebody. who. And now you're on the air with us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yep. So um, there's an interesting quote from uh, Clint Eastwood here. I can't say it on the air, but um, I can give you an <laughs> idea what of what it, it sounds like. makes it even more interesting. And Clint Eastwood has the uh, uh, je ne sais quoi to yes. be able to pull off a quote like this. If I say it, nobody cares. Exactly. But um, Clint Eastwood says, I don't give an F if gays marry. <laughs> he says, these people are making a big deal out of gay marriage. Clint, um, Clint Eastwood op- opined. I don't give an F about who wants to get married to anybody else. Why not? We're making a big deal out of things we shouldn't be making a big deal out of. They go on and on about all this BS about sanctity. Don't give me that sanctity crap. Just give everybody else the chance to live the life they want. Now, he is a registered Mm. Republican. Mm. So, you know, a lot – the Republican Party is kind of this marriage between folks that – you know, the the, the social Social conservatives conservatives and fiscal conservatives. And the social conservatives would love to tell you how you've got to live your life. Mm-hmm. Because and usually it, it has something to me. do with the Bible, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it affects me. The way you live your life affects me. I've got to look at it and hear it on the TV. Well, don't listen <laughs> to the TV if you don't want to hear it. You know, I mean, really, you want to be a Christian? Go live like the Amish do, right? You know, I mean, they, you don't have to. You don't have to. The t- television. Saudi is, Arabia, they have some great Sharia law that you can follow. And, and, you know, the, the the fact is there's lots of Christian television out there. I've got that uh, one of those uh, satellite TV program things, and it is chuck full of Christian programming. Mm-hmm. I don't think you can legitimately complain about what's on a television station that you choose to listen to. I'm not saying that you're not allowed to have your opinion. Your opinion is yours, and it is, it is sacred in that sense. But it's their television station. If you want to listen to it, you can't tell them what they put on it. I was I was just chuckling, Mark, because I was thinking a few weeks ago we had this call from a lady. I don't know if you remember it, but she was really riled up and she said mm-hmm. she was listening to our show and she said that we were horrible and we didn't deserve to be on the air and sure. all, all kinds of things. We get this a lot. I mean. She had two channels on her satellite that she was picking up and she was choosing to listen to ours. <laughs> but she, then she called in and told us how much we how much we are bad right <laughs> indeed uh, you know uh, this is this is how radio goes right I mean, yeah. people are always going to claim that i'm never going to listen again okay well it's not like you know, you listening must make yeah. any money anyway you're so bad that i've been listening to the entire show <laughs> taking notes on it. Yeah. okay <laughs> i remember when you said an hour one segment two yeah and, you know and it goes yep. on and on so anyway i was just uh, pointing out this is uh, what clint eastwood said 
I think it's a very, uh, you know, this is a great, um, you know, quote here. Yeah. He goes on, I was an Eisenhower Republican when I started out at 21 because he promised to get us out of the Korean War. Over the years, I realized there was a Republican philosophy that I liked, and then they lost it. And the libertarians had more of it because mm. what I really believe is let's spend a little more time leaving everybody alone. Nice. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's good <laughs> stuff. So uh, yeah. you've got six reasons uh, that what was it? What was it? Well, before we get into this one, I have a little comic relief for us, tonight, okay. Mark, because I know we've all been feeling a little extra stress now that Ian's in jail. You know, we're worried about him doing some extra work. So I have brought some comic relief. But OK, <laughs> I wanted to say about uh, Clint Eastwood's thing. Um, I give a F if gays marry because I like it when they marry because they're getting equal treatment. Um, you know, I think compared this to everybody is, else here in New Hampshire, there's been a new, um, you know, sort of a, a tweak to the marriage laws that's uh, proposed now. And everybody is going to be, um, by the way, it's being portrayed in the papers as a downgrade to gay marriage. And everybody is going to be given essentially this civil, not a civil union, but a civil partnership uh, is everybody's going to get this. And the intent is to not make it so that businesses and, and they're they're claiming that, of course, gays are going to have fewer rights as a result. And as a right, what they mean are these sort of positive rights that, uh, you know, are incumbent upon other people to, you know, do things for. And oftentimes, uh, you know, for instance, uh, you know, uh, so some businesses will you mean like extending insurance coverage, to that someone? kind of thing, the insurance. Coverage you know, a thing. lot of businesses don't check a marriage license or anything. They are, well, I tell you, my wife's did. Mm. Um, I had we had to have a, a marriage. I've heard both ways from people. Yeah, some I bet, do and some don't. I bet some do and I'll bet some don't. Yep. And I think that businesses should be able to make whatever choices they want if they want to give benefits to straight couples and not to gay couples. I think that we should use, um, you know, the power of uh, public opinion to mm-hmm. sway businesses, not to, you know, force them um, in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Is it going to take longer? Yes, it will take longer. The biz, uh, you know, the government could can pass a mandate and make the businesses follow their rules anytime they want. Yeah, but they but, can never pass a, a law and make people not hateful of others because right. and, they're different. And it's not just the hateful. It creates resentment. Yeah. This is the sort yeah. of what um, the uh, you know, these affirmative action laws have done to some extent. There is resentment out there. Even though affirmative action isn't as big of a deal as it was two decades ago, people still hold resentment over it because they've been forced to do things that they feel are racist or whatever. Mm-hmm. And this is essentially what's happening with the, the gay situation. People feel that they're being forced to, you know, provide benefits where they wouldn't other otherwise provide benefits um, they're not allowed to ask questions like are you gay <laughs> you know um, am, am i as a fundamentalist christian who has a business going to be forced to give benefits to you as a gay employee that i would prefer not to give to you because i believe that god made marriage a ma- between a man and a woman or whatever mm. and i'm not saying i agree with those ideas yeah. i'm just saying i would prefer not to work for someone like that honestly right i i really want i believe that that a job is a relationship yes. and i do want to know what my employer thinks about these things. Am I in this one interview going to decide whether or not I work at a place and then be stuck with this guy that, uh, you know, believes that I'm subhuman for some reason or another? I'm not gay. But, you know, if I were gay, would that be the issue? Also, I think what's really unfair is employers are forced, forced to do all kinds of things to treat employees fairly. But an employee can leave an employer in a moment's notice. If I decide I don't like working someplace, I can walk out the door. Now, sometimes there's employment contracts. I've had those in the past. Mm -hmm. But largely, people work at will. 
So as far as I'm concerned, employers should be able to employ at will as, you know, also. That's a fair arrangement. Yep. It certainly hurts the economy and helps people not get hired when there are too many regulations about firing people. Yep. Yeah. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Am I an Annie Gabe picket? 855-450-3733. You know that cigarettes will kill you. You've been thinking about giving the e-cigarette a try? There is a healthier option. 22,000 times healthier. Well, listen to this offer from Vaporsmiths.com. A pack-a-day smoker will save $120 a month. So you already start being richer, feeling healthier, and smelling better. What more could you want? How about a free starter kit? Just purchase 40 cartomizers with coupon code FTL. Free shipping on orders of $60 or more. 855-2-GET-VAPOR or go to Vaporsmiths.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. It's a SACL toll-free call in line. Here on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Stephanie. You can give us a call, talk about whatever you want to talk about. 855-450-3733. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line brought to you by SACL CAI. SACL CAI is a company that handles accounts receivable for businesses. Could handle yours. The principal there, Jason Osborne, is a big supporter of Free Talk Live, has been for a very long time, and wants to see not only Free Talk Live do well, but your business do well, too. If you want to have SACL CAI handle your accounts receivable, make that aspect of your life a whole lot easier, you can contact them through their banner at freetalklive.com. It's the top one on the right-hand side of the page. Always has been. Always will be. SACL CAI. Let's go to Calvin in Colorado. It's alliterative. Mm-hmm. Calvin, you're on Free hello, Talk Mark. Live. Hello, Stephanie. What's that? Hello, Mark, and hello, Stephanie. I, I presume all is well. All is well. Yes. <laughs> Hi. You're hearing that, huh? <laughs> I love that. It uh, just cuts things down to the minimum. Uh, I'd like to make a couple comments before getting to my main subject. Uh, I recently heard on the, one of the uh, hosts declare that uh, Free Talk Live was a no-stroke zone. Uh, but I'm, uh, <laughs> that was last night. Gonna hold you, uh, that was last night. Okay. Yep. Uh, I'm going to hold you to your promise, though, that uh, I can take control of the airwaves. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> if Free Talk Live has had some effect on your life and you want to talk about that effect, that's uh, that's cool. Uh, you know, what, what gets uncomfortable is, oh, Stephanie, you're so hot. And I love the. No, I don't think anyone's ever said that. No, no one has. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm trying to say that um, indeed people will say, "You guys are so awesome. You do such a great radio show." And eh, you know, I mean, uh, some people, some hosts will let you go on and on and on like that. And I don't know if it's ego or if that's good <laughs> air, a g- good uh, radio, or what it is. But to me, it seems like terrible radio, and it makes me a little uncomfortable. But go ahead, Calvin. Oh well, I'm uh, I'm sorry about that, but actually, it is a little bit like that. Okay, go ahead. Uh, intellectual, anyway, uh, Stephanie. Yes. I uh, really appreciate what you bring to the show. I think your style helps open the minds of certain people, uh, particularly those who are on the fence about the logic and reasoning mm. behind the freedom movement. Thank you very uh, much. I, re- yeah. I really appreciate uh, that. Welcome. 
I, I tend to agree, Calvin. I, I picked uh, Stephanie for you know one of a myriad of reasons, and it's, it's even a, though it's very been said, sharp mind. It's been said that it's because I'm a woman, but that's not really true. It's because I'm a good radio host. Well, she's a good radio host, <laughs> and it's a, a woman's voice contrasts well with a man's mm-hmm. voice, and that people tends, can tell who's talking. Yeah, yep. it, it tell who's talking, and often people like the interactivity between people, and they can tell Stephanie that you have that sexual tension with me. You know that I'm holding you back, and they can tell. Oh, really? Yeah, that's, that's yeah. I'm just gonna maul you when we get off the air. I I, uh, I can't have that. I can't have it. <laughs> I know your wife would mind, but I can't help myself. <laughs> I, I've got to say your uh, your voice definitely helps. Yeah, oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I do do voice work, actually, if you're interested. If anyone wants to hire me, I go to my I website. Did, I did see your page. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and uh, Mark, you're doing a great job, too. And, Thanks. And if you and uh, Ian switched off in the first chair or something, once he gets uh, out of the clutches of the state, I think that would... You know, might be a good thing. It's going to be a while before I'm ready to uh, sit in the first yeah, chair. I'm so. taking a vacation when Ian gets back, I think. <laughs> yeah, I imagine you're a little sick of it. Uh, anyway, I uh, wanted to give my thoughts about the TSA procedures and the sure. impact on the economy. Uh, it's going to require a little setup, so I hope I don't get uh, too sidetracked before getting to the main point. Uh, so uh, prior to 9-11, there were rare instances of terrorists blowing up the occasional aircraft that uh, evidently, the, the risk was considered to be in proper balance with the screening procedures. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say this because the screening did not change significantly in terms of the uh, uh, customer inconvenience, delay, uh, indignity uh, over many years prior to 9-11. Uh, and to my knowledge, the TSA over its entire existence uh, has never app- apprehended a single actual terrorist. Nope. Uh, and when they're tested by their own red teams, that's uh, their own people they send through, like mm-hmm. mock terrorists, to see if they can be detected. Uh, they, the reports I've seen say they fail like 70 to 80% of the time. Yep. Uh, now, consider what these must be the enormous economical loss due to the TSA operating their ineffective security theater. Uh, right now, we have usually productive people standing in long serpentine lines having their potential productivity wasted. I bet the loss, uh, you know, an economist could calculate it, and it would be huge. Uh, yeah. I just, yeah. the time seems to be the biggest thing to, to my mind, just the idea that you have to get to the airport two hours early for any flight and international, it's three hours early, and all that time spent waiting around in line. and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's awful, too, but I mean, well, it, it, you it, could actually measure directly the, the costs in terms of time. If you multiply the number of passengers by, you know, at least one hour or two hours early for every flight that they didn't have to arrive that before. You can you know? see the costs because people are choosing to not fly. That yep. The numbers are down almost 30 uh, percent, international and domestic flights. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, here we have this floundering economy and... This, you know, this could potentially be a huge drag on the economy because uh, those people flying for business, you know, they're they're not the, you know, production line factory workers. They're the the movers and shakers uh, of the economy. And mm-hmm. anyway, uh, so uh, shortly after nine eleven, the cockpit doors of all the commercial airliners are, have been armored, uh, so they can't be entered easily at all. That makes uh, some sense to me. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah. and. Uh, Every terrorist attempt on a commercial aircraft 
uh, today has been foiled by the passengers, yep. uh, by the TSA. Yeah. And I expect passengers will continue to be the uh, most effective anti-terrorist force. In well, the and, and not only that, but the uh, the passengers are actually getting harassed just for being brown. Didn't you read a story last night, Mark, yes. with Gardner about a lady who had brown skin and sat next to two Pakistani men or something like that? Indian guys. Yeah. Indian guys. Hindus. Yeah, <laughs> and all three of them were detained and questioned before the Homeland Security people, you know, finally determined that they didn't pose a threat. But she, literally, she didn't know them. She just sat next to them on the plane, and that was apparently suspicious, you know. It's really sad when it's come to that. She was sat next to them. I believe most most airlines give you a uh, place to it's sit. It's no wonder people don't want to fly. Yeah, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, this wasn't just uh, these people were asked to uh, step aside. I mean, these were this was a SWAT team that came in pointing guns at people. Yes, I remember slapping that Slapping cuffs on, on them. So go ahead, go ahead Calvin. Okay, so uh, that being said, uh, it looks like t- uh, today the worst, terrorist, worst thing a terrorist on board uh, – to do would be damage or destroy the aircraft, right? Uh, not fly it into a building or a stadium containing thousands. Absolutely. Uh, so essentially, that takes us back to the pre nine eleven situation. Uh, to me, it makes a strong economic case for backing off on some of the most defensive and potentially dangerous slow uh, screening procedures. Yeah, indeed. I, you know, I mean, it would seem to me that that you could go back to whatever the previous screening procedures were. If you wanted to arm the pilots and arm the stewardess, steward eye, um, you know, that's fine by me. It seems like having an air marshal is a more expensive proposition. But I, I would think the airlines could put somebody on, you know, in plain clothes that was, uh, you know, in there and they could take care of the problems. I mean, this has happened in the past that guys with guns have taken care of these problems. Calvin, do you want to hold? Uh, Okay. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? ManVentureOutpost.com carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, fish finders, and boating equipment from manufacturers like Aimpoint, Bushnell, Otterbox, Crimson Trace, K-Bar, Remington, Streamlight, Winchester, and more. ManVentureOutpost.com. Family owned and members of the Better Business Bureau. Prices so low, some can't be advertised. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. Get it quick. Get it from ManVentureOutpost.com. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Are you looking for camping, hunting, or shooting gear? Man Venture Outpost carries knives, ammunition, scopes, binoculars, laser sights, tactical flashlights, fish finders, and boating equipment. ManVentureOutpost.com. They're family-owned and members in good standing, the Better Business Bureau. You know how important that is when you're dealing with folks online. Some prices, in fact, are so low they can't even be mentioned on the air. Get an additional 5% off with coupon code FTL. and get it quick. Get it from manventureoutpost.com. Use coupon code FTL. We were talking about the uh, TSA here in the last segment. Let's go back to Calvin in Colorado. Calvin? Uh, yeah, thanks for holding me over. Sure. Uh, so I'm... Uh, seriously proposing that some credible security experts and economists look into the cost uh, and benefits of scaling back the TSA. Uh, if we want to help uh, stimulate the economy and get people back to work and all that, uh, you know, there could be a significant amount of uh, uh, productivity 
gained back by this. Thing. It makes perfectly good sense to me, and I'm not, uh, you know, I, I, I think that airlines should handle their own security. But even if you went to whatever it was that we had in the past, which I, I think the airports were actually handling security in that circumstance, you know, I mean, the cockpit doors have been reinforced. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What was that, Calvin? Uh, I was just going to say they they were private companies, and yep. uh, then they formed another giant government bureaucracy to take over all those jobs of screening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. They just hired the people yeah. that were at these companies and then said, you know created right. some kind of mandate on how they did business, as if they were doing business poorly in the first place. You had periodic um, you know situations where people uh, hijacked planes, and at that time... Um, and the you know the the world went on. In this case, they hijacked planes and flew them into buildings because they had uh, you know held uh, folks at bay. I don't think that folks generally expected this to happen. But if you have the you know you create a new regulation that the cockpit door stays closed, it stays locked, it's uh, you know reinforced. This is going to really solve all these problems, Calvin. I really appreciate this idea. I think it's uh, I think it's great. All right. Uh, also, I might mention that uh, maybe if a few uh, uh, trained individuals, uh, like uh, some of the people that uh, have concealed weapons permits and some type of special training, uh, maybe uh, they could be offered uh, preferred seating up towards the front of the plane, and they've been mm. pre-screened, and uh, they could help with the security of the. Of the uh, there are situations where this has happened historically, yeah. um, like you know, armed folks being on planes. Yeah. This really did happen, and uh, you know, one case I know a terrorist, uh, you know, a hijacker was uh, thwarted in this way. Appreciate it, Calvin. Thanks for the call. Eight fifty-five, four fifty-free. Let's go to Chris in D.C. Chris. Hello. Hello, you're on the air. What would you like to talk about? Uh, I'd like to just touch on the points that you already talked about. Um, you know, I'd like to talk lead in by talking about the TSA. I mean, you're talking about the TSA, the one politician that's actually stood up to the TSA since the beginning and since the bureaucratic mess in which it is, is Ron Paul. And uh, I'd really like to talk about the uh, Revolution Pack, which is supporting Ron Paul, and our big money bomb that we have coming up tomorrow in order to kick off the grassroots effort. and uh, There's another money bomb? Wasn't the money bomb last mm-hmm. night? <laughs> yeah, there's a difference between a campaign money bomb and the Revolution Pack money bomb. Okay. And, and uh, that the Revolution Pack money bomb, we can do things that the campaign can't. I mean, we're, we're going to have an extensive ad campaign. Um, our latest one is at revolutionpack.com. It's called the Plastic Men Ad, and it's excellent. It points out the flaws in uh, Rick Perry and uh, Mitt Romney and shows how they're both establishment candidates, and the only true candidate for the Republican Party is uh, Ron Paul. Well, you know, I, I certainly support that. You know, we were just talking on the air about this idea of, uh, you know, a money bomb term. What do you think about that? Do you think that it's getting too overused? Do you think that the I idea <laughs> for a candidate that wants to withdraw all the troops from around the world, um, you know, uh, you know, the term money bomb being used is, just, I don't know, just sort of inappropriate? What do you think? I mean, I don't necessarily think it's inappropriate. It's definitely overused because it's effective. And if it, it was. wasn't effective, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean... He's still raising millions of dollars based on that. I mean, he's number two. I don't know that it's based on that, Chris. I mean, that's that, that you're just making an assertion that is not, um, you know, based on no foundation. He is raising millions of dollars. Yeah, and that much is I true. I mean, you could call it a fund drive or something, or right. Well, most, of, most of his money violent. comes from the money bombs, and he's number two behind Mitt Romney as far as the last reporting went. And um, you know, there, there's definitely a valid point there that you know, but it's it's more it's more of you know just a term that uh, spurred off the original money bomb, yeah. which raised four four point two million dollars on uh, 
the fifth of November. It was but, a big uh, deal. I'd like to talk more. Yep. What's that? It was a big deal. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. It was huge. I mean, that's what really you know got Ron Paul that media attention back in two thousand and seven. But um, I'd like to talk to you about um, a couple of the uh, things that we have in the works. Like we have a Revolution March on Washington D.C. on uh, October. 15th, Chris, it seems like you're have... kind of just plugging stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt you, but can you tell us something like, do you have any issues you want to talk about? Sure. I mean, I'd love to touch on the TSA. And I mean, if you guys want to talk about um, any any of the other policies, which you mentioned before in the program, I'd love to address those. I mean, I really think that no matter whether you're talking about the TSA or, you know, you brought up our foreign wars, you know, it's really a matter of interventionalism versus non-interventionalism, and mm-hmm. the only person that's really stood by the Constitution and talked about having a non-interventionalist foreign policy and monetary policy is, is Ron Let me Paul, guess, so. Ron Paul. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. Chris, you, do, you you work for, do you work for him, or do you work for this PAC or something? No, I'm, I'm actually a volunteer, and um, I just, uh, I've been, you know, working on his behalf since 2007, but... Um, you know, I'm, I'm just—I really believe in Ron Paul. Me too. Foreign yeah. policy. Well, and, I believe—I you know, I believe in the ideas that he talks about, and he embodies in in many ways the uh, these ideas that have been bandied about in uh, the libertarian communities for a long time. He hasn't compromised his principles where so many have. Um, I mean, you know, many of the the candidates that are out there now are talking about some of the things that he talked about in 2007 and was called oh, yeah. quixotic for. Um, and now, apparently, uh, the whole <laughs> the whole Republican uh, line. Up is quixotic to one extent or yeah. another because they're talking about the same thing, that, th- same things that he's talking about. And you're exactly right, and I really want to touch on that point, which is the media, because the media really drives the the, the views of the candidates, and you know the mainstream media just doesn't give regular candidates a, a fair shake. I mean, you you look at the coverage of the Iowa caucus, and they would talk about the the. Uh, the person that won, Michelle Bachman, then yep. they would talk about Tim Pawlenty, and they would skip right over the second. You never know who came in second place if you watch the, the mainstream media. And who came in second place was one statistical point difference than Michelle Bachman, which is Ron Paul. I mean, yep. it's just absolutely a travesty well, the American I, people get a lot of I don't of know if it's a travesty. Let's, let's talk about the media and how they work to, to some extent. Being in it, right. I, I, I get to some extent, both sides of this particular uh, topic. I don't think the media is like it's a conspiracy or anything like that. I think they want to be taken seriously. And I think if the media were to report on every straw poll that Ron Paul wins, that they wouldn't be taken seriously because, you know, to some extent, Ron Paul's uh, support base is – smaller than many of the other candidates but it's much deeper you know the people that support yeah, ron paul support him vehemently and so folks like that can truly throw off a straw poll where there are you know 1200 people voting or something like that and you're right but when you have a mainstream straw poll like the iowa caucus and you you're getting the media skipping over yeah. the second place person and then you're having the media say on all major news networks we now have uh, top tier three front runners. We have Michelle Bachman, Rick Perry. That announced that day that the media just hyped up, and then Mitt Romney. I mean, but since then, because of the scolding the, the, of John Stewart um, on the Daily Show, yeah, that essentially, was really good. It, it worked. Right, it worked out real well, and it um, the the scolding has essentially catapulted Ron Paul into the first tier. Now the media organizations are saying, well, heck, John Stewart said it was okay to talk about him in first tier. I guess he's first tier. And so Ron you know, Paul... But that, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't take 
a comedian like John Stewart that's, that openly admits he sits in the back of the room at the peanut gallery to go ahead and give the media, the mainstream media, the okay to report on Ron Paul, who didn't get the, his front runner, you know, status from John Stewart. It was there all along. They were just blatantly ignoring it. At least there's the internet. People job. can find out well, about it. I don't that know that that's doing interested. their job or not doing their job. Hold, hold the line. Uh, I, I want to talk to you about this a little bit more, Chris. Free all talk right, live. Thank you. Liberty Maniacs is the largest online Liberty brand, featured the most comprehensive selection of original posters, stickers, apparel, embroidered hats, and over 100 different products from around the world. From hilarious satire to hard-hitting artistic commentary, Liberty Maniacs is devoted to outfitting the Liberty movement with intelligent, eye-catching, and fashionable gear that expresses your personal dedication to Liberty. Best of all, Liberty Maniacs offers a no-hassle, money-back guarantee on all products. LibertyManiacs.com. Wear something worth saying. Free Talk Live, 855-450 free. It's a SACL toll-free call in line on a live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live with Mark. And Stephanie. 855-450-3733. We have been talking to Chris about the quote-unquote media conspiracy surrounding Ron Paul. And I think that they're, uh, you know, I'm going to bring him back on here. If you've got some opinions, please give us a call at 855-450-3733. So, Chris. I, let me um, yeah, see if, see if I can read. I've never said media conspiracy. No, you didn't. I never said that. No, you did. You did the, the, that is not the term you've used, but uh, you've used okay. terms like uh, despicable and, and things like that. And I, I think that basically there are about 100 people that do the, the decide on what the programming is for cable television. And each one right. of them is competing to figure out what make is going to make them the most relevant what is going to make them the most watched what is going to make them the most listened to and they're trying to frame their shows so that they get the best credibility possible and yeah but mark let me yeah. i mean let me address that because you know what you can you're talking about credibility here and the thing is if you actually watch that that uh piece done by John Stewart i mean you see at the end where the CNN anchor i mean he just laughs despicably, I'll use the word again, and he says, you know, bring us the Sarah Palin stuff, but you know, you could just keep that Ron Paul stuff. Sure. I mean, the blatant bias is right there. So when you, you, you know, I, I think you're you're trying to make, make me seem like I, I'm... I'm not trying to frame you bias. like anything. I've I've heard this okay. this line of thinking a great I, deal. I do have a question, though, that I want to ask. Go I ahead, mean, Steph. If, if there is... Oh, Stephanie. <laughs> if there is this, you know... Kind of bias against Ron Paul in the media. I mean, how could he possibly like? Do you think it's an effective strategy to try to uh, work to promote him? Like, aren't you fighting an uphill battle, kind of? Oh yeah, but I mean, the thing the thing with it is, you know, I get so dis- disenchanted when I watch the debates and I see, for example, the last debate, Ron Paul got the second least amount of time out of all the candidates, yeah. but he's a top, top-tier candidate. I, mean, I was disgusted by that myself. Right. Yeah. That's and, a good point, though. Just... And, then you, and then you, hold on one second, and then you get the champion of the cause of the Federal Reserve, which I would like to talk about our economy. You know, we, you get the champion of the cause of the Federal Reserve. Every candidate on stage got a question about the Federal Reserve. And when it, came, when it came to address Ron Paul, they yeah. skipped him. Indeed. Okay, so it is an uphill battle, and I get very disenchanted when I see it. But then afterwards, the Ron Paul people and then the actual people that are watching that aren't Ron Paul people, they're like, what is going on? 
this is actually a bias against Ron Paul. And Which is a good thing. Up, that's a good. Th- that, I mean, that's a good thing. Now, now let me point out something here, Chris. So, first off, okay. a debate is intended to be fair. It's a fair right. atmosphere. The news is not intended to be fair, and You're I think right. that you know, I mean, Ron Paul had some amazing things that happened about his campaign in two thousand and eight, and he got eight percent of the vote in New Hampshire. So the media was, uh, to some extent, they were exonerated and saying, and by the way, they created that too to some extent because they wouldn't wouldn't cover him um, as well. But they did; they were exonerated by saying, "Well, look, he only got eight percent of the vote. He was he was a second or third tier." Even candidate. though he won a lot of strong. He won won every straw poll that there was to win and, you know, had this huge fundraising day and that kind of thing. And I think that, you know, for me, what the Ron Paul campaign is, I hope he wins. But more important, the Ron Paul campaign is a way to bring the ideas of liberty to people. And right now you're seeing the Republican candidates talking about the Federal Reserve. If he if you can't claim that Ron Paul has, in fact, framed the debate, then you can't claim anything at all. I mean, you know, he has had a huge effect in this arena. It's nice to see some of those ideas getting out there. And, you know, actually, some of them, I think that maybe. Uh, could be presented a little bit better, you know, some of the things that he says, but it, he's the only one. He never one... gets more than, you know, 60 seconds to say anything. It's true, yeah, and yeah, he is the you, only you one know, saying. You guys, you guys are really right, and the thing is, is that Ron Paul has effectively moved the Republican Party, but you know what? There's a difference between record and there's a difference between rhetoric. Sure. The thing with the people on stage is they are providing rhetoric to what Ron Paul has the record for. And people like Michelle Bachman that's voted for the Patriot Act but claims she's Tea Party, that's crap. All right? And people like Mitt Romney that has flip-flopped on every major issue, that's crap. And then on top of it, you have Rick Perry, who's trying to claim this Texas cowboy, you know, conservative, when he was the 1988 chairman of Al Gore's presidential campaign. It isn't going to be good for him. Yeah. I mean, it, no, it's, it's a really weak field out there, and, and I think that this is the best time for Ron Paul to be running. Chris, I really oh, do yeah. appreciate the call. Give us a call at 855-450-3733. Wow. You know, Just the, the way that he was... I was as passionate about the Ron Paul campaign in 2007 as, as he is now, and I, I appreciate it. I hope that people like that raise a bunch of money and get the ideas of liberty out there, and that uh, Ron Paul has some success, no doubt. Well, I used to be a supporter of Ron Paul, too, and a supporter of political activism. And in but the you're system. just not a supporter of any politics now. <laughs> no, and I've stepped off that emotional roller coaster. And if you hear the way that people who support it talk, they get so excited about yeah. any little victory that they can hang on to, and they really convince themselves that he's going to win. It was a big win. downer for me when, when Ron Paul got only 8% here in New Hampshire. I've got to say, I mean, I really, you know, it was, no. a, it was a bad day. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I just don't think at the end of the day... Um, politics was not meeting my needs. It was not serving me well as an individual. And I don't think that it can serve any of our needs really in the in the long run just because of the way that it's structured and the way that it is, the very nature. Yeah, it is a one-size-fits-all organization. Let's go to Kevin in Florida. Kevin. Hi. Uh, yeah, speaking of Ron Paul, isn't he um, anti-choice? I mean, that seems to be the antithesis, antithesis of a libertarian philosophy. Well, he yeah, he, he is know. an OBGYN doctor and the reason that I I actually wrote a book about Ron Paul a couple in like 2008. It's a biography of him, but um and so I interviewed him and got to know a little bit about his past and you know, he's said that he got into obstetrics because one of his goals was kind of to promote other options instead of abortion 
right? And he was dis- disenchanted with the abortions that he saw happening. So, but that's kind of a red herring, though, isn't it, Kevin? I mean, he all he says is that he doesn't believe the federal government should be involved in that in the same well, way. Well, no, government... he doesn't believe that they should happen at all because in, in his he own doesn't practice... believe they should happen, but mm-hmm. he doesn't believe the federal government has any standing. He says that it should be up to the states, up but to the states, I don't think sure. it sounds the same like way he... murder is. Well, but it sounds like he wouldn't have a problem with he a state banning. I don't abortion. think he does. Right, but that's, so a that's red, but you understand but why that that's could, a red herring. That could it's still like be my, considered it's my opinion choice. on brain surgery. If I'm running for postmaster general, it's irrelevant. I don't know if it is irrelevant. It is irrelevant. You, it, he's not running for a state he's, position. He's an OBGYN. I What's mean, that he, have to do with anything? He could be in a position oh, okay. of dealing with Kevin? women who have unwanted pregnancies. <laughs> Kevin. Yeah, of all the things you shouldn't want the government involved in, it's what a woman does with her body, right? I mean, uh, hold on, like... but but Kevin, isn't that <laughs> address oh, what I've this said? This can of worms is getting open now. Please address what <laughs> Bring I've it said. On, Mark. <laughs> I've said that he's running for a national office and doesn't believe that uh, the national government should be addressing the ideas of abortions. So okay. why does it matter? I, okay, I agree. I don't think a state should either. Well, I that's yeah, but he's not running for a state office. Well, that's I mean, a convenient do you me, way. Do you want that's my a opinion way on this? To dodge the issue, though. It, you know? it, it's a dodge of the issue because it's irrelevant. Why would you? Why would you take on an issue that's irrelevant? Well, well I admire Ron Paul. I admire Ron Paul a lot, and I just thought that was. I thought he was pandering to the evangelical base because you have to. Get the Republican nomination. I I don't know whether or not he. I don't think he is pandering. I think that he's uh, is, is pro life, if uh, you want to use that term. I am too. I just don't think that the government's a good organization to handle. Um, you know, to to ban that we've pro we've prohibited this in the past, and it turned out poorly. I don't think prohibitions yeah. work. However, I think that people that claim that it's not the taking of human life really don't know what they're talking about. It's got forty six chromosomes. Um, you know, if I if I do something to a pregnant woman that causes her to miscarriage, I'm going to get a murder charge out of it. So therefore, if she does something yeah. to cause her to get uh, a miscarriage, I see some, I, I see that as taking of a human life. You know, there are all kinds of different circumstances in which unwanted pregnancies can happen. And, you know, I think the, the attitude that we shouldn't have any sympathy for people who have those. I mean, it's... I'm not claiming that you shouldn't have sympathy. I totally understand. There it's are just so that many the people, rhetoric that goes on is incorrect. But the people out there who... I mean, the people out there who are anti-abortion or anti-choice or whatever, it seems like their real goal is to shame women. It doesn't seem like they're... Right. They if their have real any goal compassion. was to take care of kids, they would be foster parents. How many of those people out there holding large signs of... Uh, babies that are in pieces are in fact parents of adopted kids that were might have been called unwanted in some places i think that people should live their lives in a way that is uh, congruent with what they say kevin well i yeah i didn't really talk when i talk about all right well then stop taking uh, easy jabs and go on with what you're i was just i was just, uh, I was just thinking about <laughs> the one thing i'm disappointed with ron paul about yeah kevin i disagree with his- Kevin, what do you think about what, well, is, what do you think about? Uh, we'll, okay. we'll, we'll take Kevin in the, the next <laughs> segment, the top of the hour, 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. Call in to talk about abortion, Ron Paul, whatever you want to talk about. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live.
855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line here on Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live is a huge website, expansive website, and it's free. The vast majority of everything on there. The only thing I can't think of anything that's not free at freetalklive.com. Go check out the cam at cam.freetalklive.com. We're waving at you on the cam. It's free, too. There's a chat room attached to it. It's cam.freetalklive.com. Let's go back to Kevin in Florida. Kevin. Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Uh, Absolutely. You're on Free Talk Live. The main reason I called is because I've been listening to you for several months now, and uh, I consider myself a liberal, but I think your arguments are pretty compelling, although I can't help thinking I'm being fooled or something because I really like the federal government. I think it can be a force for good, and I think there's a place... I mean, there's things we needed to do. I think we all agree, right? Do we need the federal so, government Kevin, to do? No, I don't think there's something that we need the federal government well, to do. Well, <laughs> I have a question, Kevin. What do you think that, yeah. what are the things that you like about the federal government or like what do you get out of it that you enjoy? Well, I think in general, um, it's ideally a, a, a force for good in the lives of common people who uh, don't have, you know, a, a defender otherwise. Common people, well, a defender against um, what? States? I, I would say that it doesn't actually defend common people because, you know, oftentimes now what we see is it defending the big banks a lot, right? Like they had these bailouts, you know, they can do whatever they want with impunity and they get bailed out. Whereas um, most regular people, you know, they're still taxed no matter what, whether they agree with what they're paying for or not. And often that's war, right? There's a huge defense budget. And uh, actually, most people's taxes just go to pay the interest on the federal debt, right? Because the debt is just racking up so high. They're spending money they don't have. And, you know, when it comes to police and common people, I mean, there are so many examples of police brutality, police abuse. Um, They're really not the rights defenders that they're supposed to be or that they used to be. I mean, what do you think about about that? There are problems. There are problems with the system. Um, But, I mean, uh, we need... Well, I mean, people can't defend themselves against criminals either. I mean, they can't. Would you rather be against the criminal? Wait a second. Oh. I mean, police police organizations are relatively new on the scene. I mean, the first police organization is about 150 years old from London. Um, most policing was done by by I mean, citizens uh, prior to that. Um, people yeah, you would know, have often weapons in their homes and things like that. There's this expression when seconds count, the police are just minutes away, right? And they can't. Cops they, are just an organization that clean up the mess. Well, they can't be everywhere at once, you know, and they can't be there right when they they are needed often, you know, when someone needs help. Right. And there have been a number of Supreme Court rulings, as I'm sure you've heard about, Kevin, if you listened to the show before, saying that the cops have no obligation to protect you. You know, there there have been instances where they've ignored 911 calls because they didn't believe that they were legitimate or something. And when people really needed help. But then when they sued the police for not protecting them, the Supreme Court said, well, they have no obligation to protect. But the problem is that we do have an obligation to pay for them, or at least they, they think that we do. And they will hurt us if we don't follow through on paying taxes and going along with the system. And that's the part I have a problem with is is um, is forcing people to fund um, an organization that has essentially no accountability. And, you know, there's not much recourse when they do something that hurts someone or is wrong. And what do you think about that? Yeah, I think you're right. I think there are a lot of abuses in the system. Uh, I think, I, ideally, my, well, I would prefer to make the system better. 
Well, wait a second, Kevin. You see, this is the problem of the idea of the perfect government. The problem with government, like let's say that I want government to do some really great thing. The problem is, is I come up with the idea, I propose it to my Congress critter, the Congress critter proposes it to his Congress critters, they all uh, promise to do other things with each other, they, lo- they roll logs, they scratch backs, they do all the things that one does to make sausage and laws. Luggage. And, and <laughs> they, you know, everybody promises to vote for everybody else's stuff so that they can all spend the, their kind of money. It finally gets through, and some unaccountable bureaucrat then uh, handles the program, and the program does essentially the opposite of what it was intended to do. Let's talk about feeding people and the welfare program. 70 cents on every welfare dollar goes to employ a middle-class bureaucrat in the welfare system not to take care of people that need food. Or what about, I mean, the biggest part of the federal government's budget is war, right? Well, the discretionary budget, spend... but no, actually the largest part is uh, social welfare programs like uh, Medicaid, Medicare, I and gotcha. Social Security. Well, regardless of that, I mean, you're right, I was wrong about that, Mark, but war is a huge part of their budget, and you know, that's not helping anyone. It's helping people into graves, I suppose. Right. Innocent people. Because every Kevin, everything that we um, that one person thinks the, is a legitimate role of any government, federal government included. Therefore, that opens the door for anybody who believes that any role is a legitimate role. of The federal government. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, you know, so I, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, you have this problem where 300 million people want the same organization to do the same stuff, to do different things. Yeah, well, OK, just. Brass tax. They have the government has to issue currency, right? No, they don't. They I mean, people. Well, actually, I mean, the, people the be, Federal Reserve is the one who's making currency right now, and technically, they're a private organization. The Mint does too, right? And well, well, are you are you saying you want a barter system? Well, I don't think it's barter. If you're talking about gold and silver, they've been a currency. Money is a you know a unit of exchange. Gold and silver have been right. a uh, you know a term uh, you know a unit of exchange for five thousand years. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that gold and silver would necessarily be the unit of exchange. But why if, not allow different mediums of exchange? I mean, people have gift certificates now. People have. Uh, coupons and store credits. And there are different forms of currency that aren't U.S. dollars. The thing about U.S. dollars is that they're so-called legal tender. And that means the government mandates that anyone has to accept them for any debt, public and private. Right. And so I don't know. Why... What would I be like if I mandated you take my currency? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, wouldn't I be like a lunatic with a gun? That just opens the window for abuse, I think. When I mean, why is it that we can give badges and silly hats to people and suddenly they have relevance? Well, but and we've seen this because the, the, the federal government is issuing currency right now and they mandate that people have to accept it for any debt, public and private. And what we've seen is that they're creating more. They're injecting credit into the system and it decreases the value of every dollar out there when the number of dollars and the number of ones and zeros and computers and bank accounts keeps multiplying. And so really it kind of devalues everybody's money when they're constantly creating more money and doing these stimulus programs. So, I mean, I really think that the legal tender laws are opening the door for a lot of abuse in terms of how the money is managed. And if we had competing uh, currencies that were allowed to exist, some would fail, no doubt, and some would be mismanaged, and but some would do great. And people would always have different options about how to purchase things and how to um, pay debts. So... That's fascinating. Well, what about uh, enforcement of contracts? We needed the justice system to do that at least, right? And well, what about, um, I mean, don't Equifax. Are you really just setting up these softballs for us? Um, <laughs> <laughs> So Equifax and TransUnion nice, have Mark. a pretty. I, I, thought, I think he might be. <laughs> Equifax and TransUnion are pretty good systems for handling people who don't, uh, you know, live up to their contracts. Wouldn't you say? 
I'm not familiar with those systems. Those are, oh, uh, they're the, they're the credit the agencies, reporting agencies. There are three agencies that oh, issue credit reports right, on right. people. Right. Yeah. And, and sure, those probably have some problems, too. You know, I think that... Oh, nothing's perfect. There are people who criticize the way that credit ratings are issued. But sure. the, the idea, Kevin, is that, you know, there might be these agencies that would issue kind of reputation ratings on people, kind of like eBay um, reputation, right? Like when you sell something that's on not eBay, either. you get feedback from buyers and stuff like that. It's just a heck of a lot better than the, what the federal government does. Somebody breaks yeah. your contract, you have to decide whether or not it's worth the $50,000 to take your case through court um, with the federal government well, and, and or with I, the government. And, I think and then the, the way uh, that contracts are today also, um, this, the current system really puts the advantage on whoever has written the contract or whoever has more lawyers. And I think we've all signed contracts before with like, for instance, cell, cell phone sure, providers are the classic example that are miles long and they have all these different clauses and oh yeah they can change them whenever they want to but you can't you know you can't change the contract but they can change it whenever they want and you know i think those contracts get really cumbersome so the system that we have now is uh has a lot of flaws too kevin let me leave you with this question if um if you propose that the world is full of bad people what would you want a monopoly organization that bad people could get control of if the world is full of good people, what would you need a monopoly organization for? If the world is full of good and bad people, wouldn't the bad people be attracted to the monopoly organization of force and privilege? <laughs> Excellent point. Kevin, thank you for the call. 855-450-3733. Free Talk Live. I like that call. <laughs> In the amazing universe of podcasts, one podcast stands alone in excellence of broadcasting and neurology. It's verbalsurgery.com. That's right, verbalsurgery.com. Get your brain in gear. Get it full speed ahead. Get it going right now, baby, because you are awesome, awesome, awesome. And this podcast, when you listen to it, you will feel better right now. So go to verbalsurgery.com. Get with the program, baby. Free Talk Live, 855-453. That's the SACL toll-free call-in line, 855-450-3733. Check out shop.freetalklive.com. It is an opportunity for you to do the shopping that you do online already with Amazon and Newegg, but doing it through Free Talk Live. If you go to shop.freetalklive.com, uh, we'll, Free Talk Live will get a little cut of what it is that you purchase, uh, You know, the, the purchase price, I should say. And you'll get the same great prices, the same great service, uh, same great everything from Amazon. It's shop.freetalklive.com. Stephanie, we just had a call from uh, Kevin, and I've got to say, I like liberals best when it comes to uh, talking about the ideas of liberty. I'm a you know an ethnic conservative. I come from a conservative family, and uh, you know I certainly was a Republican before I was a libertarian, and all these kind of things, and. But, you know, so this is coming from me. I like liberals because you can often talk to them about the philosophy of things and they they get it. When I uh, hit him with that, you know, uh, 
if you if all people are good, if all people are bad, if all people if if people are good and bad, um, you use this. You can you can really hit them with that. I often find the conservatives want to hit them. Well, okay. <laughs> you present them with present the them ideas. with the information, right? I often find that uh, you know conservatives not as open to um, they're much more utilitarian in the way that they they talk about things. And well, they're you know conservatism. The whole idea of conservatism. Is, these are generalizations. Yeah, but I mean, isn't the word conservative or like the roots of conservatism, meaning they don't want things to change? They would like to go back to a point in the past or they think the past was better. I'm not sure what people believe when they say that they're conservative or liberal because the terms right. are so broad. And yeah, expansive, for sure. That's totally that people true. People don't even know what you know, like. Oh, well, yeah, I'm conservative, but it can mean a I'm lot not of conservative like that. Yeah. And yeah. let me give you an example. Here's a really an example I love to use. Um, my grandmother's brother. So my Great grandmother found my grandmother's brothers, my what would these be great uncles or something like that, uh, with playing cards in the house, and she went out to the uh, uh, the tree and got a hickory That's st- a sin. stick and beat the dog crap out of those boys for oh, playing cards. That's horrible. Now, anybody, that's really sad. <laughs> well, this was how things were done. I mean, you've got to figure this is nineteen. 19- at 27 or something and yeah, uh, this is a gal come over from the old make country it okay. i'm just saying yeah, this is I how know. life went um and no conservative very few conservatives today would consider the possession of playing cards a corporal punishable offense and that's because I don't know. I conservatives know. Maybe aren't no. on the same page. Like conservatism is a thing that changes over time. Mm-hmm. I will contend that conservatism is, in fact, a hearkening back to a better time, and one has you know whatever time that is in their mind. Other people would say, well, it is a um, you know an adherence to uh, sort of biblical values, right? Yeah. Sort of these values, religious but these values. values usually. The point that I tried to make is. These values do, in fact, change over time, mm-hmm. that they're only they only lag behind the date by 50 or 60 years. So, um, you know, they really don't want you know, they're not conservative in the sense that conservatism is always the same thing. Liberty, always the same thing. And it's a real yeah, principle, whereas conservatism isn't. Um, and, and liberals, you know, they want to be progressive in some ways, but you know what I would ask to many liberals is turn is turning over the role of whatever it is that you're turning over to the government progress really you've yeah. got a monopoly the opposite organization. of progress is Congress and I don't usually like to make those truisms and stuff but uh, but I it is true that I mean anything people. that the government does is tends to be really mired down in bureaucracy it's really inefficient and not only that I think the more important thing is that it's funded non-consensually you know people are forced to pay for it and forced to participate in it whether they want to or not and that that's the thing that really bugs me about uh, the system that we have today. Some and, you liberals know, would say that if you don't force people to participate in whatever program it is, then they won't participate, and therefore we won't have enough people participating in order to make it work, Social yeah. Security or welfare or whatever. Mm-hmm. I would contend that many people don't participate in these organizations, these uh, these things already. Only 28.1, I think. I figured it out some num- sometime recently, but 28 point something percent of people pay income tax currently. Mm-hmm. That means that more than 70% of Americans currently don't pay income tax. So really, you need everybody to be involved in a program in order to take care of people? And let's not forget that 70 cents on every welfare dollar goes to middle-class bureaucrats that administer the program. 
um, you know, not-for-profits can handle these things much more efficiently. So you don't even need 28% of people. They did for a very long time. Yes, they did. You know, in in America. Sure. You know, one more thing about about Kevin's call. You know, first I want to say I can really relate to him. I think that probably people who listen to me on the show, you know, I've been accused of being a bleeding heart, whatever, on the show. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, sure, whatever. I'll wear that badge proudly, you know, and I can really relate to someone like Kevin, who obviously has compassion for his fellow human beings and stuff like that. I I think that's really admirable. But, you know, he beats the heck out of bomb them all to glass, right? Oh, yes, I completely agree with that. But, you know, he called in and said that the government is, is the friend to the downtrodden and to the poor people or vulnerable people in society. And I really don't think that's true. And I think uh, you know, Kevin, if you listen to Free Talk Live, you'll hear a lot of stories. If you go to any poor neighborhood or right. maybe minority neighborhood, let's poor just say the victims of government. <laughs> yeah, they're not the friends. You know, the cops are not their friends. They don't answer the door for they police. mostly they, keep the poor out of the country, too. I mean, guys oh, yeah. with badges. Government is keeping poor out, the poor out of the country. Yep. Let's go to Matt in Illinois here. Matt. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? All's hey, well. Matt. What would you like to talk about? Well, that's that's good. Um <laughs> Uh, a while back, I, uh, I'm going to change the subject here a little bit. A while back, right I, uh, I called in asking for, can you hear me? Yes, go right ahead. Um, uh, tell them about, um, I've been involved with a, uh, a company doing um, research, and I've let myself become a guinea pig for money. Yeah, and, yes, you uh, were participating in some clinical trials, right, of things like uh, right. food additives, if I recall, right? Correct. Okay. Uh, I've, I've actually been involved with three studies, and I, I am doing a fourth one as we speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had some information for you because because you seemed interested. Mm-hmm. Um, the name of the company is called Provident. It's out of uh, Addison, Illinois, but they recently were bought up by a European company called Biofortis. And by the way, Matt, is it okay if you talk about this on the like? Did you sign any kind of a non disclosure agreement or anything? Or sometimes they don't like it's, you. It's fine. Okay. Um, and that's one of the things I was going to say. I um, I went to look at uh, what the results were for the um, for the uh, studies that I had participated in, and they haven't been published yet. And mm-hmm. they'll go up on their website, and that's what I was t- calling you to tell. Okay, about. cool. So, so it's so it's publicly up. available. That's cool. Correct. And um, the only way I'll know which participant I was is if I go and get my number. So. Mm-hmm done with numbers um and, and, and right now so i did a, a study to see if oregano helped mon- memory mm-hmm. uh i did a study for a additive to see if it uh, hurt anybody's mouth mm-hmm. and i did a study for um uh cranberry juice to see if it helped the uh, urinary tract okay mm-hmm. and right now i'm doing a study to see if non-fat dairy will help uh, high blood pressure mm-hmm. so do you have any answers on any of these questions that you've asked yeah it sounds interesting uh, again they haven't they haven't published any of it okay. that's why i called to give you the, the information when it comes out it, it'll be available to everybody on their website cool very good yep. matt thanks for the call letting us uh, know about this it is very interesting <laughs> yeah 855-450-FREE that's 855-450-3733 on free talk live
I've started playing a new online game. It's called Mine Things. It's a free online mining game. It's all in your browser. There's nothing to download. Your little mining robot guy can mine for you 24-7. You don't even need to be logged in. You compete with other players for resources in a capitalist economy. The virtually mined gold demonstrates the concept of sound money and is exchanged between players tax-free. They even accept bitcoins. Go to MineThings.com, use coupon code FTL, and double your mining speed. It's free. MineThings.com. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. You can call in and talk about whatever you'd like on the live Sunday edition of Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Are you on any medications? Are you getting your meds at a local pharmacy? If you are, you're likely paying more than you have to. There's a better way. Discount Prescription Services will get your, you, you your meds at discounts as high as 70% off, and they'll deliver them right to your door. All you have to do is go to meds.freetalklive.com. Click become a member on the left-hand side of the page. Their customer service is excellent. As a matter of fact, you can also, there's a telephone number there you can uh, call, and uh, they'll take care of you that way. Uh, They'll walk you through every step of the way, and you'll save big time. It's meds.freetalklive.com. Stephanie, we had a rush of calls there, which was really great. This is Free Talk Live. (laughs) That's what we do here. Um, But we were going to talk about um, an article you had about... uh, Yeah, this is... All I remember is uh, listing of six and gay. That's all I remember. Okay, so six gay guys and a... No, I'm Walk just into a bar. <laughs> no, there there was uh, something I mentioned earlier that I had some comic relief for us. Okay. So this is hilarious, but it's it also relates to liberty because we can talk about the politicians and their hypocrisy and okay. stuff. So, okay, this article is called The Six Worst Excuses by Anti-Gay Public Figures Caught Doing Allegedly Gay Things. <laughs> so, gotcha. <laughs> so it goes down. We all know what gay things are. Yeah, yeah, we do. Is that kind of like munching on a sausage during the show, Mark? Yeah, I was having a, 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 a pepperoni the sausage there that was all in one piece. What, mm-hmm. what are you going to do about People that? People who are watching on the camera. It's a convenient shape for food. I mean, lots yeah. of food comes in that shape. <laughs> it's true. The, the pictures of the politicians uh, during the Iowa um, situation, the, the Iowa's Ames straw poll, they had pictures of pretty much every politician eating some kind of hot dog or corn dog or oh, something like that. Oh, and then they were photoshopped to no to no end. I've seen those. <laughs> well, I haven't seen the photoshopped ones. I mean, but you oh, can... I've only seen the photoshopped ones. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's enough with a corn dog, that just right? Proves what I look at on the internet. Huh, yeah, well, God yeah. knows. <laughs> You're a dirty, dirty girl, Stephanie. Oh, I like it that way. Anyway, um, so number six is meth and massage. Uh, by the way, this is from New York Mega- Magazine. Megachurch preacher Ted Haggard initially claimed that his relationship with male prostitute Mike Jones was totally innocent. Jones had merely sold him meth and given him a massage. That's what he said. <laughs> What's the big idea? <laughs> right. Yeah, and Ted Haggard was he ran one of these mega churches in the right. su- southern U.S. You have to go all the way. How many? How far was he's he was in Colorado? That's where his church I think is. So yeah, and then he went to like Denver, and it was several. You know, a great deal of ways away. You can get a massage anywhere. Yeah. You know, somebody will give you a massage anywhere. Meth, a little harder to get, I would imagine. <laughs> right. I don't know. Haven't tried to pick any up for myself. No, but... I think, I'm not quite sure, but I think like, where is he now, Ted Haggard? I think he might be still married to his wife and has since come out as bisexual, which uh, as a bisexual, I it, it helps perpetrate the myth that everybody who says they're bi is actually really gay and there's no such thing as a real bisexual. <laughs> 
I think that I've heard um, that. Well, okay, so <laughs> this is just stuff I've read, right? Um, yeah. That men are much more likely to be one or the other. And that women are, um, you know, they tend to, it tends to be about relationships much more for women than it is, uh, is for men. I don't know. I've heard, I've kind of heard that too. And I don't really know. I think maybe a lot of it has to do with a huge cultural stigma that's on being gay for men. You know what I mean? Could be. I think there's just a taboo, as Dale says, Dale was one of the former co-hosts of Free Talk Live. Now he has Prometheus Unchained, an LGBT show. Yes. But he likes to say you've that- you've got uh, pork therapy. Yes. Pork, pork therapy. P-O-R-C-therapy.com is yep. my website. You can hear all my shows there um, if you like my voice or what what have you. But um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Dale likes to stay, say about uh, about men and expressing affection that there's just this huge taboo against men, even straight men or, or whatever, even showing any kind of affection towards each other, so much so that when men hug- if they hug, they actually have to hit each other. It's like the violent hug. Hit right? on the back. Yeah, they can't even do a normal hug. Whereas with women, it's encouraged, basically, as long as they look femmy, right? It's, they, you're supposed to look all femmy, and you know, it's okay if they express affection for other women, but mm. not for men. Interesting. So, I don't know. I wonder. I, I think there probably are more people out there who are LGBT who are closeted and just don't come out because of social pressures. And there Wouldn't certainly there are a lot to, of them. Do you have to know in order to be um, gay? I mean, because there's no, you, you could know, be questioning. There's a lot of guys that, uh, you know, that seem to come out. I don't you know. I'm just my own experience in my life seem to come out later in life, you know, in their 30s or mm-hmm. 40s. You'd think that you'd have it all down by now. I feel I'm a 40 years old. I feel like I understand my sexuality pretty well. Yep. Mm-hmm. But. Then they just, you know, they marry and then they have kids and they decide, no, this isn't for me. Well, you know, the thing is about being straight. It's hard to understand this if you're if you are straight. But everything in culture is so it's called heteronormative. Mm-hmm. It's so heteronormative. It, it means that everything is about being straight. Every relationship that's depicted in songs, in movies, in TV and magazines, anything you would you'd think of. It's all about being straight. And yeah, makes sense. If you're gay or bisexual or even transgendered, maybe you don't see those things portrayed. And so you don't have you sort of don't even know that. Right. Yeah, exactly. You don't even really know that it's an option. And so I can understand why a lot of people who fall along that spectrum, it takes them kind of a while to sort things out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know who who knows. Maybe Ted Haggard really is bisexual or maybe he's gay. I don't really care too much, but uh, there's there's this idea of him being a preacher and talking about how it's really bad to do homosexual things and and be gay and yet at the same time he's with this prostitute this this man who is selling him meth and giving him a massage they don't say where they're massaging right right they, they don't say which part of him he's massaging so anyway um it it's it has an element of comedy but also an element of uh sadness to it as well okay so number five is innocent chit chat Indiana state lawmaker Phil Hinkle claims that he doesn't know why he met an 18-year-old man in a hotel room recently after arranging the rendezvous on Craigslist, but that the two merely talked of baseball and the view. Sweet. <laughs> he met this 18-year-old guy on Craigslist in a hotel room. How they find out to talk about baseball? Um, I don't know how that got found out. Okay. I'm not sure, but he's in Indiana. And he's just yeah, there in the hotel room just talking about baseball and uh, the yeah. view. Yeah. I well, think apparently that, somebody doesn't know how to put the moves on somebody else then. Uh, you know, a lot of these people just deny it 
deny, deny, deny. Like, I, I think this was the guy, Phil Hinkle. Maybe I'm mistaken, and it was the, the next guy who's mentioned, Larry Craig. But one of them was saying, I am not gay. I never have been gay. I never will be gay. Like, there's this famous quote of him saying that after he was caught. With his, <laughs> I know gay, and I, sir, am not gay. <laughs> right. And it's like, who cares? You know, there is a, an openly gay out politician, Barney Frank, and there are a lot more of them, right? I yep. mean, you'd think that it wouldn't be too big of a deal, but... Well, it's got to be hard to run as a Republican and be gay. I suppose so. Yeah. And I think that's really unfortunate. And, you know, things are going to change when people see this stuff as normal. It's not a disease. It's not something wrong with people. It's not immoral. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a normal variation of um, human sexuality. So there's people that are born with it and people that sort of end up that way from, uh, you know, nature versus nurture. And apparently this has nobody knows why people turn out to be whatever orientation they are, but, but it's speculated that it's some combination of genetics and environmental factors. And when I say environment, I recently just started researching this, but I don't necessarily just mean like the way that their parents treated them or gave them toys or whatever, but things like the um, the influence of hormones when they're in the womb, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that could depend on the mother's status or if they had a twin, you know, a twin of a different gender or the same gender or whatever, um, so all those things could influence people. They've done a lot of studies on twins and yep. gayness and stuff like that. And yeah, and, and there is some there is some genetic component from the twin studies. Yep. You know that there's some increased likelihood if one twin is gay, there's some in, increased likelihood of the other twin also being gay. But I don't think it, when you boil it down, it really matters. No, because if I felt gay, I would want to be able to be who I felt like I was mm-hmm. without all all these recriminations that uh, that go along with it. Oh yeah, I, you know, I'm if if people were wanting to heap those crimination recriminations upon me. I'm just going to assume those people are bad weirdos, and I am not going to, uh, you know, spend much time thinking about them otherwise. I know people think those things great. about me now. Well, it, but it would be great to do that, but sometimes it can be so overwhelming sure, when every sure. it seems like everyone in society is kind of against you. But anyway. well, that's why they move to uh, enclaves. Um, in, in a lot of t- cases, you have places like San Francisco. Oh, the neighborhood. Yeah. The well, it could be a celebrated sure. thing, but it could also be kind of a ghetto thing, which we don't want. Yeah. Free Talk Live, 855-450-3733. Coming up, we got the wide stance. Free Talk Live, 855-450-FREE. You might be able to get your. We, we might be able to squeeze your call in here at eight five five four five zero three seven three three. It's the live Sunday ed, uh, edition. It's the last segment with Mark. Wow, time flies. It's Stephanie. Time, time, time goes by. We're gonna have to get through the rest of this list pretty quickly, but I think we. I think it shouldn't be a problem. Well, go go right through. Plow plow <laughs> right ahead. First off, tell me about the Free State Project. Well, the Free State Project is an idea that's bringing together twenty thousand liberty loving individuals. Uh, to go move to New Hampshire and affect positive change in a liberty direction in their lifetimes. And I moved here for the Free State Project in 2006, and I'm really happy I've, I've done that. So have, uh, you know, like, a well, there are almost a thousand movers at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd have to go check it out at freestateproject.org. And by the way, they have two events each year, Pork Fest, which is a camping festival, and Liberty Forum, which is the uh, sort of like a conference at a hotel. And if you're curious about the Free State Project, if you want to meet some of the community here in New Hampshire, uh, those are good events to do it at. Excellent. Let's go to Paul in South Bend and talk to him oh. about 
his uh, moving to New Hampshire. Paul. Yeah, hi, guys. What's going on? Um, I really love your show, and I had previously thought about moving to New Hampshire myself years ago, but I never actually did it. Um, I really like being a libertarian, although I don't like the Libertarian Party because it's too confining. But anyway. Yeah, I completely um, relate to that. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people do. Um I I did a little some investigation at one point on the internet and they said that one of the downsides of New Hampshire is since they don't have much taxes, they don't fix the roads and there's these potholes and it's terrible driving and you just do want to live there because the roads are so terrible. Is that true or not? Wow, actually no so I lived in Massachusetts before I moved to New Hampshire and Comparing the roads in Massachusetts where they have tolls, a state income tax, and a state sales tax, and all kinds of god-awful other regulations, the roads in Massachusetts, especially the main highways, are worse than the ones in New Hampshire. Right. And especially after the winter when they get frost heaves and stuff like that, and they you know, they try to fix them and stuff like that, but it <laughs> just doesn't do I'd it. say there's a difference between sort of highways and byways, you know, the, the, the little neighborhood roads and things like that, and that generally neighborhood roads in New England in general are not good just because of the the kind of land. it's you know roads are tough to keep up in this area not as not as easy as it was in florida i can see how one might draw that conclusion living in new hampshire but it seems to be the same way in maine vermont and massachusetts uh, the ones that i pay attention to okay okay that's that's good information I mean, it does, Paul, one one point to bring up, if you do move to New Hampshire and you want to be driving around in the winter, it makes sense to invest in a set of snow tires, I think. Oh, yeah. It's Definitely good sense. The, what they, they call Subaru the, uh, the the state car of New Hampshire because, <laughs> you know, I mean. I have a Toyota and it does pretty well. Yeah. It's all-wheel drive, though. Yeah. Anything with all-wheel drive. How about living down near the ocean of New, on New Hampshire on, the other, on that side of the state? Is that better than... Uh, as far as the activism, you know, it's near Manchester, uh, but there's it seems to be that the most in terms of activism is happening in either Manchester and Concord or Keene. And, you know, people move to Grafton or move, from the seacoast move up north or the seacoast. Oftentimes yeah. they want to be left alone or something like that. But I mean, the seacoast is a nice place to live. There are definitely is a growing community there as well. OK, um, can I bring up one more issue or can sure. I only talk about one thing at a time? No, go ahead. Um. I ran, this is a couple of weeks ago when you were talking about how to address people, and mm. I was in a national corporation's uh, training class, and we were told to address all customers as either sir, if they were male, appear to be male, or uh, ma'am, if they appear to be female. Mm-hmm. And I stuck my hand up, and I said, coming from the Midwest, um, ma'am doesn't seem to be that appropriate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people... Um, a lot of people consider "ma'am" to be a uh, uh, you know a derogatory term. They, are well, you calling me old? What would you call them instead, Miss or Madam? I mean, each of those can be that, loaded as well. That, that's the problem, and I definitely agree with your comments about "girl." Mm-hmm. And um, it's just what you know. What do we? What do you say? I, I don't really know. Yeah, and, and it's tough so, in a situation but, where you're just dealing with a customer. It's it's tough to kind of establish that relationship and say, well, how do you prefer to be addressed? And then are you supposed to remember it the next time you see them or what? Paul, I think you should just refer to them all as sovereign. And if nothing else, it'll confuse them. <laughs> They'll ask some questions, and you can tell them that you believe that they're a sovereign individual able to make their own decisions. 
So oh, I like that. I, I, I started to object, and the guy basically was going to fire me and throw me out of the class because he was so he was from Knoxville, at Tennessee, and he was so outraged that I would question the ma'am thing. And well, so the wow. point I want to make is it appears to be very regional. Yeah, yeah. Ma'am, ma'am is regional. I don't think sir is nearly as regional, but these are loaded terms because we've had people who've called in on this show that we honestly haven't known their genders, and we've been confused, and you don't know what to do. I mean, if somebody claims to be a particular gender, if I call you and I claim to be, my name's Dorothy, and I have a problem. I mean, are you really well, going to call me? Or somebody calls in with an androgynous voice and says, my name's Randy. Right. What do you do? You, right. <laughs> I mean, so these are the issues. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, the, I, I have fallen in love with your show, and I'm going to be a regular listener on Sunday night anyway. Thanks, Paul. Awesome. We're on we're on seven days a week from 7 to 10 at freetalklive.com, and um, anybody can uh, listen to us there. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so back back into this article about these six... Backing into the gay article. Yes, that's right. We're taking the back door and the six worst excuses by anti-gay public figures caught allegedly doing gay things. So this is the wide stance. Former Idaho Senator Larry Craig famously blamed a wide stance for inadvertently signaling to his next door stall neighbor, who turned out to be a police officer, that he wanted to (laughs) engage in some bathroom sex. In reality, Craig's exact phrase was that he was a wide guy, which may actually be even worse than an excuse than having a wide stance. <laughs> this is the guy who was tapping his foot in the airport bathroom, I think. Uh, yes, I thought it was like you had to like wave your hand. I thought that was the thing. I'm not sure. Too. I'm not familiar with that aspect of culture, okay. being a woman, and you know, I, I don't, don't spend much time in big deal, men's yeah. bathrooms. But you know, it doesn't happen to me in a bathroom either. So yeah, go figure. Do you have a wide stance? I hadn't really considered. I don't know. I have I have nothing to compare it to. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, this is probably my one of my favorite ones. They get better and better, but documenting weight loss after nude photos of Puerto Rican Senator Robert Arango showed up on the gay networking app Grinder. Arango explained, "You know, I've been losing weight, and as I shed the weight, I've been taking pictures." Arango must have lost a lot of weight in his anus because it's featured in one of the photos. (laughs) Yeah, just blatant. Oh, good stuff. Blatant (laughs) lies. (laughs) Okay, here's one that's shocking. Black people. Florida State Representative Bob Allen claimed that the only reason he agreed to perform fellatio on an undercover cop and pay him $20 is because the cop was a pretty... Who does that? <laughs> yeah, he's paying the cop to let, you know... <laughs> okay. Yeah, anyway. So, he is because the cop... Now, now I'm convinced gay folks are weird. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe just the closet cases like this guy, okay. you know, who couldn't really be healthy about it. But anyway, so it was... The only reason he paid the cop $20 and performed fellatio on him was because the cop was, quote, a pretty stocky black guy... And there was nothing but other black guys around in the park. And Alan was afraid he was about to be a statistic, quote unquote. Apparently being a horrible racist is way better than being gay. (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah. Can you believe that? (laughs) I'm stunned. They just dig themselves into holes. It's unbelievable. Okay. And then the number one, luggage help. This is one of my favorites. I like all of them. but (laughs) George Wreckers. The vehemently anti-gay activist and co-founder of the Family Research Council. Now, this is the people who are coordinately filing complaints with the FCC anytime there's something on TV that they think is not family values friendly. Sure. 
and they they have a lot of anti-gay stuff. I think this is the the Family Television Council, the Family Research Council. Oh, Family so Research. So they're okay. they're all about the it's religious values and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So okay, George Reckers, uh, the co-founder of Family Research Council, insisted that he brought a male escort on his trip to Spain because he'd quote had surgery and couldn't lift his luggage. So he did. So he'd done what everybody looking for luggage help does. He went on rentboy.com and hired someone with a perfectly built eight-inch unit. Oh God! <laughs> Quote from the person's profile on there. <laughs> so this is he they found out how luggage. he did. It. Yeah, yeah. Somehow it came out. Oh God! Yeah. That's <laughs> the, hilarious. The rent boy talked or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, because the the story makes some sense. Well, you know, if if you if you hire a valet, who's to know whether the valet is straight or gay or well, whatever? Well, but this is from a gay escort website. Yeah, where he yeah, found that's the not valet. Really work out yeah. there. <laughs> your story. So, your story's falling apart now. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, these stories are. So I went humorous. to the Craig's, Craigslist section, <laughs> these, and I I got one of the girls from the the personals ads to clean my house. What's the big deal? Yeah, exactly. I mean, these stories are funny, but it's also pretty tragic that, you know, there's so much deception and closeting that goes on. And I I long for the day when it's completely fine in society for anybody to be openly gay. But this just just shows that politicians have no problem with lying. This clearly uh, shows the (laughs) mental anguish they're going through, too. In the meantime, freetalklive.com, 7 p.m., 10 p.m. live, anytime, 